Hello and welcome to episode 13 of the Large Format Photography Podcast. My name is Simon Forster and I'm joined by my co-host Andrew Bartram and our guest Amy Jacek. Hello Andrew. Hello Simon. And hello Amy. Hello. Right, first of all, I want to uh, just let people know that since our last podcast when we had Steve Lloyd and Jason Lane on the show, uh, their Chromographica dry plate Kickstarter has reached its goal. Uh, So well done to them and and I think well done to our listeners because I'm pretty sure that it was our show that rocketed them. Um, over those last well, two, I think two when, percent or so over that finish line. What when show when show twelve aired, I think they were just a thousand pounds short, weren't they? They were, they were. So well done, you guys. Amy, did you um, were you aware of the dry plate holder Kickstarter? It's a bit of a mouthful. You know, I think that I was. I I I recall saying that. Well, as we record. It's still live, the Kickstarter. I think as this airs, it'll probably be over. But either way, it's reached its uh, its goal. So if you want to get yourself, Amy, a dry plate holder, which can also be used as a, uh, a, a sheet film holder with an adapter that they're going to make, which I, I would think would be fairly low priced, then you can get in on it. And the other guest on the show, so it was Jason Lane, and Jason Amy is the is the guy behind Photo Pictoria 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 Graphica. That's it. And he makes as as well as being a full time lens designer and all round clever chap, his sort of sideline, and it's it's almost more of a sideline. It's, it's a business really, is making dry plates, coated dry plates for sale. And you can, you can buy 10 dry plates that look like plates that were made in the 1890s, maybe, for $40 for 10 glass sheets, which you're a Polaroid shooter, so, you know, that's cheap. Yes, <laughs> it's uh, cheap compared to a lot of things. So is it uh, dry plate? Is anything that is that ever appealed to you? Any of those sort of dry plate, wet plate, alternative type things? I I have well, I've done a little tiny bit of wet plate. I took a workshop, oh. um, and in taking that workshop, I really liked it. But I kind of determined that I, for the present moment, <laughs> anyway, I probably will not be doing that because. Um, uh, I feel like it would require me making a mobile darkroom. You know, it's just not something that I want to get into right now. But dry plate would definitely be easier. It's not something that I have investigated yet, though. No, me neither, really. But it really appealed to me. And I, and so I, I did back the, the Kickstarter for one plate holder. And, um, you know, you're getting a look that is 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 similar to stuff from 100 years ago. You know, it, it's... Uh, it's only sensitive at the at the blue sort of end of the spectrum, so you develop it under a red safe light. Right. And uh, yeah, it's it's and you're holding that when you develop it, you've then got this physical object that you can hold in your hand. And he makes them in four, five, five by seven, eight by ten, and he makes them to order. If you ever get yourself an eleven by fourteen large format camera, he'll uh, he can make you those as well. Oh wow. Well, you never know. ISO two, which means that in where you live in Texas, you can probably shoot at one five hundredth of a second. 
<laughs> Undoubtedly. Yeah. yeah, I will check that out. Yeah. No, it's 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 really cool. It's also interesting when you say you tried uh, wet plate as a, as part of a um, uh, a workshop because uh, the previous show we had Joseph Brunges um, on the show and he does uh, exactly that. He does uh, he does workshop workshops and he, he he strongly suggests that people should try that kind of stuff before uh, diving straight into it because the, the, it's quite a serious commitment to get into uh, certainly wet plate and collodion um, and it's it's that it's a little bit easier to to go with dry plate you could argue that uh, dry plate is a bit like a gateway drug to collodion quite possibly i guess i can see how that would definitely be the case um a wet plate well when i did it it was we were making little tin types um in a holga oh i'd so love to do that it was really fun. Um, S. Gail Stevens um, does these workshops um, regularly. I mean, she's pretty much a master at this as far as I have seen. Um, and she's a great teacher as well. Um, but it was wonderful. They were like little jewels. But especially with it being so small, um, you know, it's extra time sensitive because it dries so quickly in the Texas heat as <laughs> well. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I really enjoyed it. And um I love the quality that tintypes have, um, you know, that wet plate, just, it, it's almost like the image is alive inside of it. Um, so, I mean, you never know down the road, I've tried it, I know I enjoy it, but um, I definitely, I agree that a workshop is a good thing to do before you dive in and invest in the kit and, um, you know, maybe think, oh, actually, maybe not. <laughs> you could, um, um, you could be the Texas Sally man, couldn't you? Oh my goodness! <laughs> There's something to aspire to. So, with these holgers, is there anyone out there? And I, and I think I know the answer to this, but I don't know who does it. Making wet plate backs for holgers. So, oh, sorry, Simon. I know this isn't large format, but it's you know we got I, onto the topic. I don't know that you need a back. Right. Um, as far as I recall, we were just putting it putting it in there. I mean, we Were didn't you? need any special equipment. Yeah. We just brought oh. the whole guy. Uh, the only thing you needed was to realize that you might have some silver stains on it afterwards. Um, oh, well. But oh, my whole is fine. I mean, I've yeah. used it plenty of times Okay. Um, after that. And obviously you need a, a cable release. Mm -hmm. um, I think that I bought a little cable release thingy from Holga Mods. Holga Mods, you Randy. Know, Randy, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I think that's where I got it. Yeah, uh, it's been a few years now. Um, but yeah, it's a it's a fun process, and I actually really like the the tiny size. I think that um, making them larger, I don't know. I can't imagine pouring that collodion. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen people do it. Yeah, they uh, seem to be able to. It's like witchcraft, isn't it? They sort of pour it, and it doesn't roll over their fingers. It kind of sticks to the end of the plate. Then they roll yeah. it down, and wow! And then they manage to pour it into something back. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, I had uh, friends of mine in Shudapalooza were making. I think it was like twenty by twenty uh, plates at one point. I, I mean, I think it took two of them to mm -hmm. to pour Shooter it. Shudapalooza isn't a town in uh, in Texas, is it? Uh, no. <laughs> well, it might be. <laughs> Sounds like it could be. Oh yeah, it does. It's Doesn't one it? of the groups that you're that you belong to. We can talk about that later. Yes. Shooter Palooza, yeah, love it. So, is it hot in Texas, Amy? It is very hot, very yeah. hot. We've is it hot as it that. is here in the UK? 
uh, Potter, I hope for all of your sakes. Um, I, I don't know. Uh, I guess in Celsius, it's definitely in the forties. Oh dear. Uh, and, and there's a fair amount of humidity. You know, people talk about places that are a dry heat. You know, I, I, I've been to places that are very hot and dry and it's still misery in my opinion, yes, but, yeah. um, yeah. And it's, uh, I was actually planning on going out and doing some large format photography. Um, and I attempted to go into my dark room to <laughs> load, load the holders and, um, well, I wanted to load, okay, I, this might be too much for right now, but I have a really big camera. I have a 7 by 17 and I wanted to take it out. It's only actually left the house once because it's, it's really big and the case is really heavy and I honestly have to have help with it. Um, so I wanted to load the holders for that with paper negatives and I got out the roll of paper and was thinking about cutting it and before I had even really started, I was like, I, I can't do this. It's too hot out here. My dark room is in my garage. So uh, that's an extra layer of heat because mm. uh, the garage gets full west sun. Um, uh. So that, that little project has been put on the back burner until it is at least, I guess, in the 90s <laughs> instead of the hundreds. Well, I, I ventured into my dark room a little while ago to just to load a a roll of 120 film into uh, into a stainless steel holder and and that was fine but it, i i could i forgot to put my extractor fan on but that just draws in hot air from outside so it wouldn't make much difference but it was uh, i could feel myself starting to sweat as i was uh, fiddling around with the 120 film <laughs> right i have i have done it i've had i've spent long hours of printing sessions in the dark room at at this kind of time of year but um i don't know at, as I get older, I just kind of make better decisions about how I'm going to have my suffering in my life. <laughs> well, you know, when you've got, you've got a young family and you're a busy lady and we've all got, you know, we've all got other pulls on our time. There's very few of us who can just devote everything to, you know, this hobby of ours. And, right. And you have to make some decisions, don't you? And, you know, you can't do everything. You just have to accept, you know, you talk about wet plate. Well, Maybe one day, you know, when, when you're an empty nester, you'll, you'll fill your nest with wet plates. How about that? Yes, yes. And I can see myself doing that, especially with uh, wet plate photograms. That very much appeals to me. Wow, yeah. So, Simon, have you been up to anything large format-ish? Not even close. <laughs> no. I, I, the, the closest I've got to being doing anything large format is a shooting with a panoramic uh, camera. On, I saw on. that. They were great. <laughs> I didn't know you had a what is it? Horizon. Horizon two hundred two. Yeah, is that one? You another one of your cheap pickups? That's, that sounds wrong, doesn't it? <laughs> a cheap pickup from. A... <laughs> I only do cheap pickups. That's that's, that's how it works. Yeah. Yeah, um, just close your ears, Amy. Yeah. Uh, what, something you bought cheaply from an auction or somewhere? It, was it? It, uh, <laughs> it was. It was. It was. Um, it was a decent deal. Um, yeah. And. Uh, yeah, it's 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 just bonkers fun. I mean, it's a Soviet camera. It's uh, it largely made of plastic, mm -hmm. and it uses a twenty-eight millimeter lens. This is full thirty-five millimeter film. Uh, yeah. I say, I say, why do we call it thirty-five millimeter? I never quite got that. But anyway, so uh, but for that uh, normal size film, should we say? Or Mike, actually, we can go around in circles about what what normal size film is, especially on the large format photography podcast. Mm -hmm. But um, 
yeah, so 28mm lens, so uh, quite wide angle, um, but it's got a, a, a really neat trick, and that's it. It's, it starts its um, photograph pointing to the right, and by the time it's finished, it's pointing to the left. Yeah. So it, it sweeps from, from the right to the left and uh, takes in whatever's a, a, around. And you can actually change shutter speeds with it. Um, but how that actually works, it just changes the size of the slit uh, that's, um, that's running in front of the film plane. And that's the other part of this. The film plane itself is curved. So, which is, is there to make some kind of attempt to deal with distortions, but it just introduces a different kind of distortion into the shots. And it's just bonkers wide. It's about 120 degrees wide, I think, maybe 140, 140 or 120. You'll probably find that, I, I don't know if it's the same as I have a 6x12 uh, reality, so subtle pinhole, and that's a curved plane. And many of these things are curved plane. And of course, the idea is to keep a... Uh, the same distance from the pinhole to the image plane um so get a so you don't get a difference in in density on 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 the on the negative so that's uh, presumably that's the same with with yours is it is the, that, is that yeah, the idea the, the, sort of i think um the the difference being is though uh, with with a curved plane with a pinhole you've got an extremely wide angle to start off with yeah. Um, whereas you you don't actually start off with an extreme wide angle lens. No, you have lots of lots yeah. of little pictures that make up a wide. Pre precisely, it's a bit like um, taking lots of photographs within um, and then stitching them together. Uh, so I'd you, love one of those. I guess it, I don't know whether it'd be called large format. But Amy, did you ever in America? Is it a thing when you leave? So when we leave secondary school, so that's when I was about sixteen. So whatever that is in America, so I'm awfully confused about school years in America. Then they they lined up the whole of the school year, and I went to a fairly small secondary school. There was only about 350 people by the time I left. And this photographer came in, and I just remember this. I would love to have one of these things, a, a big camera, and it's a bit like Simon's Horizon camera, but it, it does a, a panoramic shot of the whole school. Uh, and the lens just moved around, but I think it was just a high-end version of what Simon's talking about. Do they do, do they do that sort of thing in America? Uh, do you mean at schools taking mm. a picture? Yeah. yeah. Um, I know. Well, I I went to a very tiny school, and we did not have anyone do that. If there had been anyone taking a giant group shot, it probably would have been my dad. <laughs> but uh, but with a, like a large format banquet camera, but. Yeah. Um, I know at my daughter's school, they've taken some pictures. I think they got a, a cherry picker, if if that makes sense. You know, one mm -hmm. of those yeah. things where they can get way up in the air. And yeah. they had someone come and, and make a picture of all the kids out in the front. Um, looking up and waving. Yeah, it was a really cool picture. Yeah. Um, I wasn't there to see how they did it. Um, but I'm, I know it involves, you know, heavy equipment. Yeah. But Simon, I think if you kept your, if you kept your um, horizon camera level, certainly with my reality camera, keep it level, then the horizon is straight, and you do seem to have a lot of trouble keeping yeah. straight horizons. Yeah, um, well, to, I think it was only about two shots I've taken when I actually cared about keeping a straight horizon. Um, yeah. I was just generally using the the extreme wide angleness. Of, yeah. of the shot and knowing that 
it was going to distort all over the place. But even lines that are relatively straight, can they can curve at the same time and they can curve at different rates and so on. So it's yeah, the the, the look you can get from it's it's very different from just simply using a wide angle panoramic camera, which you sort of get a, a relatively normal looking shot that's just particularly wide mm. uh, with, with this you get it it, it just forces there's, there's certainly some distortion going on isn't there somewhere yeah. and I, I think if well there's two ways you either embrace a distortion or you do your absolute best to to get away from it and there's there's really there's no middle ground it's one it's one or the other but yeah. um it, it does give you a negative that's uh larger than the the, the standard size it's about um half as half as wide again um, on 35 millimeter film, uh, but uh, yeah, if you want to, if you want to hear a bit more about that, uh, I talk about that at quite a bit of length on the Classic Legends podcast number okay. episode well, we'll, 82. We'll, we'll direct people there. I was very intrigued. Amy, we'll chat, chat a bit later about your seven by seventeen camera. So that's I was trying to work out the ratio there, but that's that's probably getting close to that um x pan what's that simon is that I don't know, but seven by 17 sounds like the ratio <laughs> sounds about that right sounds about right doesn't yeah. it yeah. yeah it's it's just enormous <laughs> yeah. yeah um but yeah yeah you know i was gonna say about the the horizon camera i i borrowed my dad's uh, a couple of years ago at my grandmother's birthday and I loved it for a group shot because it meant that I could just push the button and then run and get in it by the time that it panned. Um, by the time it panned over, um, I totally agree with you. Those panning cameras are really super duper fun. Yeah. Yeah. Love it, love it, love it. Um, so have but, you been doing anything large format, Amy, this uh, last um, couple of weeks? Or is it uh, too hot I, have, I have not. Like I say, I, I actually – I. I loaded up. I had every intent to um, to take that camera out, and I yeah. just couldn't get past the heat because I thought, well, even even if I can get past the heat in the dark room, <laughs> using nice. this camera is going to require me asking someone else in my life to come out and help me haul the equipment around, and I just really can't do that to anyone right now. Um, Oh, that's because, what children you know, are the, for. That's what children are for. <laughs> the tripod is very, is pretty big and heavy as well. Um, but I did load up um, a bunch of 5x7 holders, again, mm -hmm. with the intention of taking uh, my view camera out. And, um, there you go. Yeah, so that's, at least two, that's at least two large format cameras you have, and I think you might have a Graflex as well. Do you still have that? I, I do. I do. Yeah, that's three, um, Simon. So that's more than me and you. It is. <laughs> Well, well, all all of those were gifted to me by my father. So, fantastic! Um, yeah, I know yeah. he's been a great influence. I can see that. So you can. Yes. Uh, well, um, I I think that might be a a, a good lead in to um, doing a doing a proper introduction for for Amy. Um, and uh, actually, I think the first first time I I, I spotted you was on Emulsif. Um, that was last year. Was it June last year? Um, I, I will admit, I don't know. Yeah. Um, it yeah. feels like June it was longer ago, but, um, June the 6th. Okay. I believe you. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you may, you may have done it before that. Cause he takes a while to get these things out quite often, but that's when it was published. Um, yeah, that was really, I was very thrilled to be on Emulsive and I, 
similarly extremely excited about this. (laughs) There's something to live up to then. (laughs) It's all good. Well, that that was well. The very first photograph on on that article is uh, a self portrait uh, in front of a mirror yeah, with your your speed graphic there. Um, yeah. And without going into you know, starting to read read the article, but uh, it does mention about you know uh, how you got into photography and things. And I think this would be perhaps a, a good time for you to let let us know about your your photographic story, you know, how you got into photography, and uh, because we also know that you're a, a, certainly a, a multi format. Uh, photographer as well um, so uh, be good to know what what appeals to you about different formats and how you eventually uh, ended up with the best one uh, being large format <laughs> okay um, well I I really feel like I was born into it um, my father is uh, an avid photographer and quite frankly um, I really feel like he's possibly the most talented photographer I know. I look at his prints and honestly, you know, I've seen a lot of uh, silver gelatin prints other places and I feel like my father's are better. You know, obviously I'm biased, but just looking at it from a perspective of, um, you know, the the total quality, um, it's a lot for me to try to live up to. I can't live up to it. So, I've actually kind of quit trying, but um, it's always been a big part of my life because of him. Um, When I was growing up, I absolutely loved hanging out in the dark room with him. He has one that's also built into uh, his garage, although it's a lot cooler than mine. Um, His actually has walls. Mine is only plastic right now because I just haven't been able to make that final step. Um, But he... He never, I mean, it's not like he like forced photography on me or anything, but he gave me my first camera when I was about seven. And I can remember, I remember getting it at, I think it was at Christmas. And I remember just feeling super excited to have this. It was a little Olympus 35 RC. I know. I saw that and I have one. It's wonderful. Yeah, It is wonderful. And I I still have it. I couldn't contain my excitement when you mentioned the 35 RC. It is a great camera, Um, and it's so small. You know, when when I got it back from him, because um, you know, as I I I didn't really focus much on photography when I was seven, funnily enough. Um, But so it sat at their house for a long time until I requested to have it back, and I was really surprised by how small it was because I remembered it being big. (laughs) Uh, The rangefinder on it doesn't work, but. you know, the lens kind of take, you can use it still, you know, the lens has terrific depth of field. So I have used it. It produces beautiful negatives. But um, I remember, I remember receiving that camera. I remember going out and making pictures with it and making prints in his dark room, standing on a stool. Him how teaching old, me all how old were you then when he taught you to make prints in the dark room? Seven. Wow. <laughs> because I remember after I made my first print, it was kind of, you know, a big, celebration Amy made her first print and I wrote on the wall outside the darkroom in the garage I it was there forever I wrote Amy's father's darkroom where I made my first print Aww. and I put the date um, I think it's been painted over finally but that may have only happened a few he? years he ago. clearly doesn't love you to paint over that over. <laughs> Oh, it was there forever I think we need but to anyway, get your dad so... on the podcast is that you two have come on together that sounds like you've made a great team <laughs> but 
Yeah, so, you know, it was always there. And I mean, I didn't really focus on it much for a long time after that. I grew up, I have a lot of memories going out with him with his various mm. large <laughs> format cameras. Um, something that's a really precious memory for me. He's really into trains. And anytime that he found out that a big special train was going to be coming through town, uh, I can remember going out with him with his camera and he would give me pennies, you know, to lay along the track uh, to squash. I don't know if y'all have ever done that. That sounds a bit dangerous. <laughs> well, <laughs> you trying to derail the train. If you lay coins along the track, uh, yeah, maybe I shouldn't be saying this, but if you lay coins along the track, then after the train comes, you can go and find them and they're all smashed. Um, you didn't say, look, there's a train coming, Amy, just get a bit closer. <laughs> well, obviously, it's as far as There's a pattern <laughs> here with you and your father. <laughs> but I remember um, being out with him with his cameras and um, him making photographs of that. And also, um, in in Texas, especially this part of Texas, uh, there's a lot of caves. And both of my parents are cavers, you know, like wow. spelunkers. And so cave photography was a very big part of my childhood. That's um, me. Sitting that in the dark. For, that wasn't large format, presumably. Oh, no, it often was. Really? Yes, it often was. My father was a complete and utter, utter lunatic with carrying, you know, I think it's a, I think he has an 8 by 20. And he would carry that into caves huh? and make photographs. So... Okay. I guess, you know, this is definitely where I get it from. He makes fun of me now sometimes when he hears things that I've been up to, but he's like, well, I used to be like that. Um, so, yeah, I have a lot of memories of uh, sitting in the dark uh, waiting for these photographs to be made because he would kind of position people around the space inside of the cave with flash bulbs, yeah. and then he would open the shutter and get people to fire at different times. And yes, I love so the. He's just painting with flash with flashlight around the, yes, the cave. Because obviously there's no natural light at all once <laughs> no. you get down into the cave. And, and I love the, the smell of a flash bulb. It's very nostalgic for me. Um, I had them on. Did you? I had them on my with my Polaroid land camera. I had one of the with the one one hundred series land cameras where they had the uh, flash, the flash oh. attachment. You know, and you put in the little bulbs, little M. I think they're M series bulbs or something. I can't quite remember now. And they Was come it the, in the square thing. No, little round bulbs. They just oh. uh, the 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 flash the flash. Deflector was a round thing, so it looked like a one of those things from the the nineteen fifties, forties, and fifties. But the if you Google land camera flash, you know it took it took a couple of double A batteries, and and you can still buy. I think you can still buy blue dot um, flash bulbs. You can still get them online. A lot of fun with a Polaroid with some FP one hundred C and a one hundred land camera. Great fun. Yeah, that that does sound fun. Um... That, and your yeah, father used so, some. Your, so your father was using flash bulbs with his large format camera. I, d I don't think it was always large format. I don't think he carried it that far into the cave, but he would definitely <laughs> carry it into like. I mean, I could be wrong, um, but I can. I have memories of him carrying it into, um, you know, like at least like the mouth area where. It, was that his camera of choice, large format, or did he was he multi format like you? He was multi format as well. He did a lot of, or still is. 
Yeah, he he still is. As much as he can get out, he's had knee replacement surgery lately, so he's been laid up. But um, I feel like his most recent adventure was into large format paper negatives. Mm-hmm. I think I I asked him about them at one point, and it kind of piqued his interest. And he went out. He has a he has an eight by ten. I think it's a deer dwarf. Mm. Kind of like, do you have any more of those, Dad? Um, (laughs) uh, But he had a period where he was going out and making a lot of, um, you know, photographs with paper negatives, and then he would make the contact print. Um, My dad is extremely knowledgeable about all things. Does he do internet stuff? Is he online at all? Can we get him on the show? He, you know, I have tried to get him to share his work online. I've gotten him on to Instagram a couple of times and he's stayed for five minutes and then he's done. He just doesn't, he doesn't share his work a lot, but um, he's a tremendous resource for me. Um, You know, he, he knows everything. He uh, mixes his own chemistry. I mean, you talk about the dry plates. I don't know if he's done that. Um, I know that he has uh, a lot of old glass plates from, you know, a long time ago that he works on scanning and restoring and goodness me, things like that. So yeah, he's, this is where I got it from. What a great dad. I I wish I had a dad like that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I think that he is probably very happy now that I have gotten into it because um, he waited very patiently for a long time. You know, when I was, kind of like high school and college, I always had a camera and I would always be the one with the camera taking pictures. You know, back then people didn't have cell phone cameras. (laughs) Thank goodness. (laughs) But um, I never really took it seriously until I think it was uh, the early 2000s, the point and shoot that he had given me. I think it was a Sigma point and shoot. Finally died, probably because I dropped it a lot of times. But he gave me a Canon Rebel. It was like one of the just basic mm-hmm. original Canon Rebels. And I remember being just overwhelmed with this gift. I was so excited to have a real camera. That uh, You know, it's funny to me now to think of that. But um, I started taking things seriously then. I just, uh, that was that was sort of the moment when I really got into it. And I... At the time, I was living in the UK, and I would get um, the old uh, Kodak, what was it, black and white, CN, that film that you could... the the C41 stuff. Right, so you could say, I could take it to Boots, or I used to take it to Jessup's. Mm Yeah, not anymore, you won't. Yeah, no doubt, but... um, yeah, that was very handy for me because I wasn't in a position to develop the film myself. And I liked that I could take it anywhere to get it developed. Um, yeah. That was when I really got into street photography, which um, I, you know, I had no idea what street photography was. I just took pictures of some strangers and really liked the results. And when I thought, you were in the UK, you got the street photography bug. I did. Well, it was. Well, I went to Rome for a short trip, and mm-hmm. that was. I just started photographing strangers there, and um, yeah, that was that was it. Do you like um, to engage with people, or just photograph them at arm's length? You know, it kind of depends upon the day. Um, mm-hmm. 
I, I actually think that I'm happier when I'm engaging because mm. I don't know, maybe I feel a little less like a creep, <laughs> but, um, at the time I was, you know, I was so new at all of it and I definitely was not sure of myself. So yeah, I was being as sneaky as possible. Um, but that was, that was what really changed it for me. And then I started, uh, getting, I remember the first roll of Triax that I used, which I had probably used it when I was younger, but it's like I remembered. And, uh, I remember I also was taking that to a lab and seeing the, the difference. I mean, it's very contrasty compared to that old chromogenic film. But anyway, um, moving forward down the timeline, I moved back to America and um, I was up in New York then. And my dad gave me a Rolleiflex. What America. a wonderful dad, isn't he? He uh, really is. My, yeah, my dad like... gave me a Fed Four, which you know, <laughs> oh. I, I know, and I wish I still had it because I don't, I don't have him or the Fed Four anymore, and I wish I'd have kept it. So you hold on to these things. Oh, I, I will. I think he would have my hide if I got rid of that Rolleiflex. Um, mm-hmm. It, it belonged. He knew a lot of the um, old photographers in Waco, uh, you know, the old timers that had been around. And um, part of the reason he has a lot of historic negatives um, from the town. I'm from Waco, which undoubtedly most people have heard of for one reason or another. But um, he has, he uh, purchased a huge amount. I mean, thousands of negatives from one of the photographers um, before he passed away. And Mm. so he has this huge resource of all of these historic pictures because he photographed for the paper a lot. And then another man um, that, again, had uh, been photographing in Waco for many, many years. It was uh, after he passed away, my father, uh, I think, I don't know if he like left everything to my father, but I remember going into his studio, which was like a rabbit warren and just stuffed with stuff. Um, And that's where the Rolleiflex came from. So, you know, I kind of, I'm very careful. I have not dropped it. I'm very careful with it because I view it as a little part of my hometown history as well. But um, I remember thinking, oh, you know, everybody talks about medium format. Like I didn't understand the hype. And then I shot my first roll of film with it. And when I developed it and saw (laughs) the negatives, I was like, okay, I get it now. Like, goodness, you know, the difference between 35 and 120 is just huge. Um, and I love, I love the square format. I really, mm-hmm. really enjoyed using the Rolleiflex. I like looking down into it. I feel yeah. like, especially doing street photography, I feel like I don't have to, to break the space between me and my subjects by bringing a camera up to my face. Yeah. Uh, it feels a lot less intrusive. Um, and I just, I don't know, I really like composing with the square. Um, so is that squ- was is it the square or the or the seeing the image on the ground glass looking down or both I think well I do like I do like looking down but I think for some reason a lot of the time the square just suits me better in terms of composition Yeah, yeah. I love um, it I love it too somebody should make a square back for a large format camera because that would be awesome How about that Simon It, it must be out there 
Yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's quite easy though, isn't it? You just um, ma- mask off your yeah. uh, your ground glass, and the, all of a yeah. sudden you're, you're you're square there, then aren't you really? Because you are. Uh, yeah, you could just you could just mask a little area off, and then you've got the. So, but that is the thing. I mean, most most people shooting large format. I, I think it's probably going to be most people are shooting four by five, um, which is almost square, but not quite, isn't it? Mm. Um, but I, I, it I, is. I totally get what you're you're saying about um, about the square formats, Amy. I mean, I've I have two uh, medium format cameras. Uh, one being a Rolly cord and the other one being a Hasselblad, and oh. I don't want to shoot at any other format on medium format it, it doesn't even occur to me although the other reason for that is generally speaking um you go above six by six and the cameras just grow exponentially exponentially in size uh, to the point where many of them you, you go to like six by nine and stuff like that you're, you're approaching large format sti- uh, sizes and in many cases they're heavier well, than a large format camera. Y- yes, yes, and no. I mean, I, I, I enjoy. I, I'm with you on the square format, but I'm, I don't. I, I do also shoot with an RB67, and I, lo- I love using that camera. And I was inspired to keep using it by a wonderful documentary by Don McCullen, British former war photographer Amy Don McCullen, oh. who now shoots. Well, he lives in the Somerset level, so he shoots very moody, atmospheric images, which I think are reminiscent of his many years in the, you know, shooting dead people, basically, in the Vietnamese War uh, and and the effect it had on him. And now it translates into the his landscape images that he makes in and around the Somerset levels. And he put out a documentary, in it, and, and you may be able to find it. It was certainly on on the BBC iPlayer for many weeks, and it was called This England. And he's using an RB67 and then a Mamiya uh, press camera, one of those big, fugly square things. And he's just engaging with people. You know, he's got this, he's walking around with this camera. And I thought, well, this guy's in his 80s and he's walking around with an RB67. Okay, once they stop rolling the cameras, he probably gives it to some 20 year old. <laughs> but he's, you know, he's just walking up to people. They don't know who he is, you know. And, um, mind you he's got a film crew next to him so maybe they just feel obliged to be nice to him but you know he's engaging with people he's talking and and the six by seven negatives are lovely and simon the six by nine if you go out and get yourself a gw 690 they're not that heavy you know there's a lot of plastic in a gw 690 well it's a fairly manageable size and six by nines a lovely format too that's that's actually it just reminded me of something i do actually have a six by nine camera of course you do i do and it's a kodak medalist one yep um, there you go and i have a netar six nine folder which was about 30 quid and it is beautiful so you can slip that almost in your pocket yeah well, you know, well, they, they, of your they, photographer's jeans yeah when i, when I buy some <laughs> <laughs> yeah. well the, the, the medalist is 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 ace um the, the, the only i've got two issues with the medalist though uh, one that I've, it's been serviced so the thing works so that that's that's good news um the downside is that it's 620 um as opposed to 120 film and you mm. there have been uh, there are some very clever people out there that probably don't do it anymore uh, that have actually managed to convert those but it's it's a it's a there's very very little tolerance um, in the body to be able to actually convert it to 120 so it's, well you just need to keep your 620 spools and then well, just wind on some exactly and, 120 and that's, film that's where i am I'm, that's where i'm at and I'm, i just haven't had the nerve 
to actually go into the dark bag and uh, and, and respool them. I know the theory about how to do it. I uh, just haven't actually. It's easier. It's, it, must, it, it might get a bit tricky doing that in a dark bag because you get the film sweats, you know, and your hands start, especially yeah. in Texas. You don't want to be putting your hands in a in a in a dark bag. You get all sweaty and, but you know, so you you're rolling it on one way, Simon. Then you're rolling it back again and yes. to get it all properly. And, and as long as you're careful and you watch out for the film, that and you tuck it under um, the loose bit, you tuck it back under, and you keep well, pressure. You keep pressure on everything. Have you 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 done any of all that respooling malarkey, Amy? Well, I was going to say um, I have not uh, because uh, yeah, it kind of scares me, but. Uh, uh, a friend of mine, <laughs> I think it was Nancy Smith, who is in Shootapalooza. I have a, a brownie, a Kodak brownie, and um, that takes 620. And she she was telling me that she uses one, and she just takes a pair of nail clippers yeah. and trims off the plastic lip yeah. from uh, 120. And then if you have the 620 spool, you just use that as the take-up spool. Yeah, and put the one twenty in there. That's what I do. Yes, uh, and I think that normally works. Some six twenty cameras. It might not cameras, work in every camera. No, I think some six twenty cameras, you can actually drop one twenty film straight into them. But I think that's few, and far between. And some have more. Some allow you to trim the the spools down a little yeah. bit. So, um, unfortunately, there is zero tolerance in the medalist. Mm. Right. Um, it was very very precision made. Anyway, with a large format, dragging the subject cricking and screaming back to large format photography yeah. <laughs> following what was probably my segue um you can fit your roll format back so you, you know folks you don't need anything else other than a, a large format camera because if you want to shoot 35 mil you can do that in a large format camera if you wish they're you so can, practical you can yeah and it's it's the most versatile camera ever you can put your 120 backs on and shoot six by nine or six by 17 in my case um, so what's there not to love about a large format camera? Isn't that right, Amy? Oh, absolutely. Um. <laughs> so to remember that we might have had a discussion before we start recording about what happens when we go off on a tangent and trying to drag <laughs> us back to the point. And I nearly said it's normally me that drags folks away from what they were talking about. But I'm not sure if it was. I think it might have been you, Amy. You, I think, but you were talking <laughs> something about your father's Rolleiflex that he gave you, and you got the bug for the bigger negative, didn't right. you? I felt yeah. I felt that was leading, yes. slowly towards large format. <laughs> yes, that's like a tiny preview. Um, well, at that point, um, it, it wasn't too long down the road from there where I actually uh, had my own darkroom, which was just—I mean, I can't even describe. I remember when it was completed. I was so excited. I thought, I, you know, I never in my life thought I would have my own dark room. And how many years ago was this, Amy, when the sort of timeline of things, you were seven when you first went in the dark room. And, right. Uh, so, and, uh, and where, how old were you when your father gifted your, uh, no, you don't need to say, answer that question. How many oh, years ago? Like, <laughs> yeah. uh, it might've been, it might've been 2004. Okay. So you might've got the dark. Or 2005. Got your darkroom set up soon after that? Did the, you? No, the darkroom was around 2008 or 2009. Okay. Yeah. Um, that was because uh, I I lived I lived in New York City, so there's absolutely no place. Well, plenty of people do it, but for me in my life, there was no place for a darkroom. Also, um, not too terrible long after I got the Rolleiflex, um, I 
I went through a period of my life where I didn't do a lot of photography because I was pregnant and raising an infant. Um, and when I was pregnant, I didn't want to be around the chemicals. So, mm. um, also I'm, you know, pregnant, I was tired and stuff. But, um, so after that, I was living in a house outside of the city and I had a basement, which was perfect for the dark room. Um, Although it was pretty cold in there during the winter. But um, so I, I had my darkroom there, and it meant that I was finally able to start um, developing my own film, which was really exciting. And I had an enlarger, and I could make prints. I had um, the enlarger I had at the time was a condenser enlarger, which I had, I was used to using my father's enlarger, which is, uh, well, he has several, of course. He even, he does not have an eight by 10 enlarger, but he does have a five by seven. Um, a five by seven, does he? He does. Uh, oh, brilliant. That, that, that's so versatile, isn't it? I have a five by four or four yeah. by five, as you guys say. Well, he had, yeah, but the main one that he had that I was used to using was, uh, an Omega with the, the color head. Yep. I can't remember like the name of it, but, um, it can go up to four by five. Uh, and I actually have one of those now. A friend of his was getting rid of his dark room, and mm. I was able to purchase it from him. I absolutely love that enlarger. But I also have the condenser. Um, but anyhow, so that was me. There I was comfortable with, um, you know, developing film and, and working in the dark room completely unattended, which was I was very excited about. Uh, but. Uh, then I ended up, uh, not very long after that, I had dis to dismantle the whole thing and ended up moving back down to Texas. And it was a few years after I got back that my dad gave me this huge box for Christmas with this funny smile on his face. And I opened it up and it's a crown graphic. Oh man! And she was like, you know, yeah, I, I just your father. I just can I can he not adopt me? <laughs> oh, he's like the ultimate like photographer Santa. Oh, um, so um, yeah, so you know, he was like, you know, kind of. I've I've decided. I think you're ready for large format now. And I thought, oh boy, okay, you're a proper grown up now. <laughs> I know. Right? I was like, yeah, I'm in my 30s and I have a child. I guess I'm grown up enough now, but. Um, it had never even occurred to me to try large format photography, but, uh, you know, and of course he gave me all everything that I needed. He So what, what was in this box then apart from talk us through it? Cause it's just, I can paint a picture of unboxing. So you know how people do unboxing on YouTube, right? Well, cast yourself back to this, this moment when you, when your father with this strange smile on his face gave you this box and, and as you started pulling things out, well, I, I think when I think back to it, I believe it was probably multiple boxes because wow. um, he gave me obviously the camera and a ton of film holders, um, also multiple lenses. Mm -hmm. uh, there's, of course, I can't think of the different lenses now, but I know there's a, I think there's like a 135 which is like the standard and then 127. Um, there's also maybe, maybe a 90 mm -hmm. and then another one. Yeah. I, I, can't, I think there's four. Um, I think the 127, uh, I think has been one of my favorites as well as if it is a 90, I, I can't recall. It's a really, really beautiful lens, but 
so he gave me all of that. And he also gave me all of the, the, the dip tank things. Oh, Simon. And, Yo, you should talk to Simon. He has he does things with tanks. Yeah. Ton, Not very ton. well. Not very well. So you can give him some tips. What? Well, ton, tons of those and tons of the the holders, you know, to put the film in, to develop it Tanks and way. hangers. Tanks and hangers. Yeah, hangers, that's what they're called. I told yeah. you, I, I don't know all A the thingy. jargon. <laughs> I, those metal thingies. That I know all the jargon, but <laughs> don't ask me too many uh, detailed questions. <laughs> so it was basically like everything that that I would need. And I already had a tripod uh-huh. Uh, for it because many, many years ago he had let me have that because I have this kind of very cheap, tiny telescope and that's what I, I had no idea it was a large format uh, tripod that I would put the telescope on, but um, there you go. So yeah, he gave me everything that I needed for it. And um, Did you get a fancy was, cloth to go under? You know, I think he probably did give me a dark cloth. Um, mm-hmm. I, I you think weren't it tempted to use it handheld then, because you can. Did what, did it come with like a rangefinder and stuff? Because some of those do have yes. working rangefinders. Yes, and he spent a lot of time calibrating did he? Oh, the rangefinder, but I think it might only be calibrated. I, I know when you switch lenses, you're kind of out of luck. Oh, it's only maybe calibrated. Oh okay. no, actually, he did. Now that I think about it, he. Uh, I know he's put, he put a lot of distance markers and he showed me like where to use the, you know, when you fold down the front of the camera and it's got the stuff on it <laughs> for where you can pop up those little metal thingies for where you need to sort of set it depending on what lens you use. If Infinity stops. Yeah. If, yes. If, yeah. That's what they're called. Um, so I think, and he's he put the wrote some distance scales on there as well. But I I tend to not use it handheld. I very much uh, prefer using it on a tripod. Um, mm-hmm. Honestly, I feel like if I'm using it handheld, I may as I, I would rather just use my uh, my Rolleiflex or my Hasselblad because yep. I'm like you know why why I don't have to do this. Yeah. Um, and developing the film is so much more difficult. So it seems to have a, a lot of folks really have the handheld bug for four or five, and and there are some, well, at least one sort of camera that's made specifically for handholding. But like you, I've it's never really excited me. I thought, well, I'll just go out with a Rolleiflex or a Holger, even you know, right. or or anything else but a large format camera. When I go out with a large format camera, it's about that process. It's about the meditation. It's about some me time and, and all of that, and it slows me right down, all those things. There is, a, there is of course, the, the camera dactyl OG, though. That, yeah, that's uh, what I was thinking of. Yeah. Oh, well, I, th- I thought you were thinking about a speed graphic. Um, no, I was thinking the camera dactyl OG oh, is right. one that's made at the moment. Yeah, yeah. That, 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 yep. that to me, sounds, sounds like a, a load of fun, especially with the wide angle lens. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's small enough and light enough, I guess. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm still not all that. See, I'm. I'm normally drawn by all that sort of stuff. But I'm. Uh, you know, as much as I like the look of it, I, I'm not. I don't. I, I wouldn't see myself using a handheld. Are, are you familiar with a camera dactyl OG, Amy? Yes, yes. Um, and I have been. I have managed to keep myself from buying one. Oh, you're tempted, are you? So there <laughs> but you go. I've been very tempted. I honestly, I I wanted one of the. Other large format cameras that he's making, just because they were had cute 
fun colors. <laughs> He's been on. Ethan was Ethan was on the podcast uh, a few shows back. So yes, dive, and, dive, dive back and have a listen. And he, yeah, and he'll sell you some photographer's jeans as well. Oh right, <laughs> yeah. I think he. Uh, I think he. It, he wrote something. I believe it was on the OG for the Film Shooters Collective website oh, as well. Okay. Um, so yeah, very tempted, but um, I agree with you. For me, the whole point of large format photography is. Um, using the ground glass um, and uh, and going slowly. Uh, that's one of the things that I, I love about it, really, because I, I enjoy, uh, you know, for me, normally I'm photographing people. It's like street photography, that kind of thing. But uh, I've never been all that into landscapes and other stuff. But large format photography opens me up to that. Um, and I really appreciate that about it, that it's like, well, now I can enjoy this. Not that I'm particularly successful with it, but, um, you know, hauling the camera through some landscape and setting it up and taking the time. Um, that's what it's all about for me, uh, which is why I, do, I think, well, why would I do handhelds? Um, it takes all of that beautiful process away. Have you, have you thought of combining your love of photographing on the street with large formats so by, for instance, setting up your camera in a, in an interesting area and just say to people, would you, could I take your picture with this weird camera? I, I haven't, I have taken it out on the street um, a few different times. Uh, I think I even hold it with me on a couple of road trips. I, I have some photographs that I made in Nashville. Uh, you know, it attracts a lot of attention when you, whip out one of those large format cameras <laughs> on the street. You know, people are definitely yeah, people are tripping over the tripod. And <laughs> right. Um, I haven't thought about um, uh, doing that sort of thing before, like, you know, inviting people to get in front of it. Um, but uh, I, I have taken it out when I did. The only time that I have taken out the seven by 17, I took it to this graffiti wall in Austin. And um, yeah, I mean, definitely attracted a great deal of attention. I had lots and lots of people looking under the dark cloth. Um, but, but I like, you know, I like that about it. I, um, you know, any, anybody that expresses any interest, I'll definitely tell them anything that they want to hear about it. And, um, you know, kids love to look under the dark cloth as well. Simon, have you set a large format camera up in a, in- in a place other than a semi-deserted landscape or have you ever set one up in a town not, fairly not, busy town center no I've, I've i've not although it it does it does appeal to me although it, it's just it's this thing i guess i mean i'm, I'm not a street photographer uh, by any stretch of the imagination um well you can photograph landscapes no, i just no, no, you, you can, know yeah i'm, I'm not just, landscapes um, I'm, I'm just thinking about what the, yeah, the question you, about the question you put put to amy there and yeah. I, and i and i can I can see why shooting large format for street could produce some incredible results, but I can also see why it's not massively appealing in terms of, you know, if you, if you are shooting people in a busy, busy street, you want to be able to actually move. Well, generally speaking, you want to move quickly, which obviously that, that isn't going to happen, but you can put mm-hmm. yourself in a, in a busy place, an interesting, busy, busy place as well. Um, but you're then going to be restricted about how many photographs you, 
realistically realistically you're going to actually take whereas you know you're using roll film then you can you know, sometimes you might want to actually take quite a lot of photographs and you're just going to be limited by how many dark slides you can you can well i think you just you. have to go out with that mentality don't you i mean you can go out with a dozen dark slides can't you and have 24 yeah. pictures that's yeah. okay and i just called it i uh, called them dark slides and i should really call them film holders yes we know what you mean yes um we yeah. know what you mean yeah but in terms of going out in public places um I've, I've not really been out into too many places where there have been that many people are, are around me although the I think the the place where we did where the most people that have never seen one before um, was when we did uh, Will Pinhole uh, Photography Day uh, back in was that March was that April April, April. Yeah, and we 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 did that at a it's a the Six Towns Photography uh, Club um, which, which meets weekly now which now meets weekly and uh, although that that the Six Towns is is mainly. Well, just well, it's, it's just general photography. Whereas every Tuesday night we do uh, a darkroom evening, uh, but this was uh, on a Sunday, and we and we managed to gather in quite a few people. And I, I thought, well, I'm going to set this up and just have it pointed out the window into the uh, into the courtyard that there is there. That sounds a lot grander than it actually is, by the way. Um, and uh, and it was it was great to see people's reactions. I mean, everybody that was coming in there had some interest in photography, um, and you know, they all were gravitated towards um, seeing what was going on through this this large format and seeing everything up, upside down, and uh, and ev everybody was impressed by it. Uh, there's no, you can't help, you can't not be if you're if you're vaguely interested in photography, you can't not be impressed by looking through a, a, a well focused, bright um, ground glass uh, screen, can you? Absolutely. Yeah, no. yeah I, I took uh, my favorite. Uh, experience with that was uh there's an artist whose name i absolutely cannot recall but uh the artist makes uh, these big stick sculptures uh well it's kind of like structures out of sticks and then they're just left to sort of deteriorate over time and uh, i had seen one in my hometown and i found out that there was one in austin so of course i wanted to go and photograph it and i took um my view camera and I saw that there was a group of kids, a sizable group of kids there uh, with their mothers. And I thought, oh, I hope this doesn't make them uncomfortable, the woman setting up this big camera. But, um, and I was kind of thinking about asking them if, if any of the kids wanted to look under the dark cloth. And I'm under the dark cloth thinking about this. And I look up. And they're all assembled in front of my camera. <laughs> like, hello, uh, we are a homeschool group and we are very interested in what you are doing. So I ended up yeah. sort of teaching an impromptu 10-minute lesson on Well, I think home, homeschool, homeschool mums or moms, as you would probably say, are probably always on the lookout for an educational opportunity. Right. Because I, right. well, I know some and they, you know, they... A trip around the local supermarket is an educational experience. So right. uh, they would have seen that and said, look, over you go. Go and talk to her. Right. Well, they're all very attentive and very interested. And, um, you know, it's fun to show people the holder and explain that that is the size yeah. of the piece of film. Um, uh, you know, a lot of, and I, I love presenting film photography in general to kids. I, I love kids and I love teaching anyway, but because, um, you know, a lot of them have never seen it before. And um, I've had opportunities um, at my daughter's school to go up and set up a table. They'll have like an arts day. And I always be sure, I always make sure to take some, uh, I have a roll of 35 millimeter negatives that are 
destroyed that I use, especially for this purpose, so they can touch it and uh, see it. And I always take a large format camera so they can look at that. And I have, um, you know, pieces of film that have accidentally gotten exposed um, so they can touch that as well. I think it's great to, do you, you do know, any you never cy know. cyanotype stuff with them? Have you done that sort of stuff with kids? I haven't done it with them. I've kind of showed it to them. I, I mean, I've done it with uh, my daughter and her friends um, as much as I can get their attention. Oh, uh, well, I guess now that I think about it, I did um, help out at a kind of uh, children's science museum type place with a cyanotype day that they had. And there were lots of kids there. It was just really fun. I, I just, I really enjoy presenting that kind of thing to people of all ages. Um, but yeah, you know, the camera, like those cameras really do attract a lot of attention. Um, so I guess if you take it in an urban place, you have to be prepared for that. Yeah. I set, sure. I set up a four or five camera in the middle of Norwich, which is a, a fairly, fairly big city in the UK, I guess. Well, and, um, it wasn't an overly busy part. I had a couple of friends with me who were acting as models and, and, um, I was under the dark cloth and someone took one of my friends to the left saying, you're getting some really weird looks. And actually <laughs> nobody, nobody did actually come up. I was most disappointed. I was ready to answer some questions, but nobody came up. Oh, so, too shy, maybe. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. No, I've taken it. I've, I mean, uh, I, I made a couple of road trips, uh, with my family this past summer. I did not take my large format camera, um, on purpose because, uh, I had, you know, probably 15 other cameras with me as it was. But Why didn't you I, leave all of those behind and just take a large Think of it, your 7x17 seven camera, the, <laughs> the discipline of just having that camera with you. Now, I've, I've seen, you know, you, shoot, you shot some uh, eye-type Polaroids, and I know you've shot pinhole when you, you went to these wonderful places in, in the forest and camped. Think of the beautiful images you've missed by not having your seven by 17 camera and all of the distractions that you've had with these 15 cameras. Why did you take 15 cameras with you? Come on, answer yourself. <laughs> well, it would help if I, had, for it. if it would help if I had more than three holders for the seven by 17. You can have a changing tent, can't you? you know? yeah, there we go. <laughs> Just set up a, a little, a little dark room. Uh, maybe one day if we ever have some sort of an airstream or something, but, um, no, I have, I have definitely taken my large format camera. I've had it on the beach. I've used it in all sorts of extremely difficult and frustrating situations with lots of wind and, um, you know, it's always worth it. Um, I'm actually going to the beach this coming weekend and I will be, I am taking my large format camera. Oh, I you, think you see, I'd be a bit scared really with all that. Aren't you worried about sand and wind and salt spray and goodness knows what? Oh, no. Well, you know. I feel like, you know, these cameras are old. Who knows what else they've been through. I, I, as long as I don't drop it. In the sand. The ground, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I think it'll be okay. I have a um, the other large format camera that I have. Uh, and I do think that I still love the Cron Graphics the best uh, in part because I have a wider range of lenses for it. And also it's 
And it was given to you by your dad, wasn't it? it Well, he's given me all of them, but... It's like your first crush, you know, you always have a thing for your first boyfriend or girlfriend. And that's always going to have a place in your heart, Amy, is that Rolly Flex and and that Crown Graphic. Oh, for sure. Uh, But the, you know, the Crown Graphic, I think, is such a great, a great large format camera because it's very compact, you know, it just folds up into this little box and it's not that heavy. And it doesn't take very long to set up. You know, you just kind of like pop open the front and pop off the back and and you're ready what to go. Sort of, what sort of adjustments and things do you have with a crown graphic? Uh, do you mean in terms of like the movements and yeah, stuff? Yeah, yeah. Uh, there's a lot fewer. Um, you can, you can't, uh, again, I don't know the names. Um, you, you can kind of move the lens up and down, but you can't go, mm-hmm. uh, you can't tilt it. I don't know that you can tilt it at all. Oh, um, oh I'm just going to say, I think that might be good timing to read yep. out one of our emails out. Because I, was exactly very professionally, I was very professionally <laughs> leading up to it. And you've you've outthought you've out me. So should I read it out to you? Because this is very much to do with the uh, press cameras and Amy uh, okay. can chip in or not as she feels fit. So Graham Young, one of the... Uh, three amigos of the homemade camera podcast sent an email to no he didn't did he send it to the dedicated he sent it to your email didn't he but uh, do we have a do we have a dedicated large format email address we we do it's large format photography podcast at gmail.com but graham graham was naughty because he sent it to to us via a group it set up in instagram he did. And uh, and just actually a, w- a word of warning to anybody that wants to communicate with us and potentially get a, an email or message onto the show, please send it via email rather than uh, the, the other places that are out there because there's a very good chance we'll just completely forget about it if it's not on email. So, Or it just becomes a running, not, not joke really, but we've got one that we've been trying to read out for the last six yeah. months, I think. Yeah. So just read out that email address again, Simon, for me. Uh, that's large format photography podcast at gmail.com. There we go. So the aforementioned Graham Young writes this question for your next podcast. My next press camera, of which um, we discussed press cameras probably in issue, issue episode one or two, as much as we could, which wasn't very detailed. But it's certainly what Amy's got, that sort of style of possibly handheld large format camera my press camera has a drop bed feature so he says the bed can angle downwards by about 15 degrees what is the advantage of this movement it already has quite a wide range of tilt so i don't know what press camera he has amy but he suggests that his press camera the front lens board will tilt forward i would imagine yours would too it might. I mean, I, I'm not. I don't use movements much. Um, that's not something that I have really gotten into. The front, the front tilt can be useful. It's about the only movement I ever use as well, really. Just that forgetting is. that it just gives you that. We won't go into the technicalities of it because there's been a few of them, and we don't really understand it. But um, it involves beer mats, Amy, or you know, uh, oh. coasters. Uh-huh. You have um, to have a coaster to work out the plane of focus, but it effectively shifts your plane of focus from right by your toes to the, you know, to the far distance. So, well, I think one of the things here, though, I think it's, I think, I think it's a crown yeah, graphic is 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 got. 
and okay. and that's so that's what Amy's got as well, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. yeah. And I've I've got a not uh, no a meridian. I, I tried no. Well, I think. I, oh yeah, you've got I a baby one, haven't you? Yeah, you have a, a baby, baby speed, which I thought I was buying a speed graphic, but I ended up with a baby speed instead. Oh, whose fault was that? <laughs> Perhaps one day it will grow into a full speed graphic. Somebody <laughs> keep feeding it. Feed it lots cubes, of film. Prunes. Yeah. Prunes. It's, it's it's small but perfectly formed and uh bit like you. <laughs> but um but no, I think I think it has the same the same mechanism and when I, I came to use it I was thinking, where's the front tilt? Because it doesn't front tilt. Oh, and okay. and I don't know if yours front tilt at all, but it, I, well this this baby speed it, it you've got rear well the front standard will tilt backwards, so you got rear tilt on the front standard, um, and then I don't know if I worked it out for myself or saw something, but it was a case of I've, I I realised that it had uh, you could drop the bed as uh, Graham has, has has mentioned, and my so the, bed, the bed is the the bit where the whole mechanism the, where the standards slide out and backwards and forwards that slidey thing on the bottom of the camera is called the bed. Oh, that... oh, you can drop. Okay. Yeah, it, yeah is that, that that's just to be re to clarify things really simply, Simon. <laughs> yeah, the bed is it, that when I you're talking about the bed because people might not know what you're talking yeah, about. That's is that, it, that things slide along? That's well, it. I did it. There um, you go. I, as, I don't know. I mean, I think I, it does. It I drops forward. It, was, it drops down, Amy. Yeah, it drops down. I thought it was just to get it out of the way, but well, um, it is. Well, I think, really I think you've just answered his question. Well, partially. That may not be the proper answer i mean my entire knowledge of movements come from me saying to my dad you know why would you want to do this and him saying well you can make a building stand up straight that's it yeah. so that's my that's the extent of my knowledge yeah well the uh so yes it will drop it will drop forward and my first uh thought with about doing that was if you're using a wide angle lens uh you could then Which move your it 90 out of the way. your 90 amy for instance Maybe or perhaps, might, perhaps might wider than that. It. You might get away with that, but right. sixty-five or something. Yeah, and sixty-five wider. or seventy, which is getting into the sort of twenty millimeter, thirty-five equivalent, I suppose that sort of area. Right somewhere around there. Yeah, but there's what's what was interesting when I when I did this on the um, the speed graphic. Actually, you know what? I might have seen Mikel Tekel doing it with a uh, MPP camera, which I think has got a similar kind of arrangement. It's probably and, the same, isn't it? Yeah. And what, what happened though, is that you drop, as, as you drop it, it then would then tilt the lens forward. And I thought, Oh, you've immediately got forward tilt by dropping the bed. And then, but the thing is, that, is, you would is that how yours works, Amy? So if you drop, if that bed drops forward, does the front lens panel go with it? So it ends up pointing downwards or can it stay upright? Um, I don't think I know the answer to that. I don't, I feel like when I dropped it forward, it didn't move that much, but it might. It's, it's I, be, think, I can be, go get it. <laughs> yeah, it, no, it's okay. Don't, don't worry about that. I think if you, it, it depends on the position of where the, um, uh, where the front standard is i mean certainly if you're shooting the wide angle then the, it's going to be it's going to be pretty close much back to the... in the box anyway yeah um, but if it's a longer lens then it would be sitting on on the bed and then therefore no, it would that's a it very would good point simon that's a very good point and right because it's attached uh, that's it but then the next thing is because i was wondering why is it only got rear tilt you know because front tilt's more useful than rear tilt well as soon as you've dropped that bed then it's it's then pointing forwards and then you can use the rear tilt to square it back up or to give you a front tilt if you want but you've also got to raise 
the standard as well because you've dropped you effect you effectively drop it down a little bit with the with, when the bed drops it drops as well so mm -hmm. um so you ra raise it back up so you get uh, a normal amount of uh, so you you you're parallel to the film plane but you've then you've then got some adjustments effectively on the front standard then to to move it forwards or backwards um, so you it's probably one of these things that um, is easier for you to demonstrate to us. And maybe on our new YouTube channel, you could do a, <laughs> you could do a, you could do a demonstration, Simon. How about that? Well, there you go. Involving well, that, beer mats. That, that's, a, that's a good time to mention our, our wildly successful uh, YouTube <laughs> channel. Um, uh, I'm not sure if we've actually mentioned this or not, but we we have a a large format photography podcast YouTube channel. So if you type in large format photography podcast, you will actually see some output on there. But you will you know fortunately you will not see any of us um so yeah we don't we do not appear in any of these it's just audio only but if anybody wants to listen to the podcast um with uh captioning um so in in some way that there's some clever software that will actually convert what we're saying into into words really? uh, underneath so anybody that's that's struggling to understand our accents or english isn't their their first uh, language oh. and such uh, then that's a that's a good way to uh, to work Shall out it? what on earth we're talking about so have we answered graham's question or not i'm not really sure i think i think we did we sort of did anyway is it primarily to, for we're using wide angle lenses so you don't end up photographing the bottom of the well i, I think the it's bed or I the front of the bed i think it's twofold i think one if you do use something wide angle then it, it makes sure it is out of the way although it's questionable uh, whether we, it, whether that's truly necessary or not, um, and it, it'd only probably be in portrait orientation where you'd actually have that issue. Um, but you, it, with a longer lens, um, you d it will enable you to uh, to have front tilt in a way that you don't normally have it. Well, there you go. Anyway, Graham, there you go, mate. I think you probably already knew the answer to the question, but it's very nice of you to engage with us and well, uh, and because Amy's got one of these cameras, so it's all good stuff. I was just going to going to say he's uh, he also like quite a few other people is only he was he's managed to studiously just... avoid yes, large format that's true until yeah, listening so, to us so, so maybe nice. so maybe you maybe I was being a bit harsh maybe you didn't know the answer to that question but you're right I did see him he did post a picture of his press camera saying it's our fault the large format photography podcast that he's now got into large format photography and that's, that's well and. A Crown Graphic is definitely a gateway camera. Yes. So. <laughs> so we covered this in an earlier podcast, but not, you know, you're not, folks listening, you're not obliged to go back and listen to diligently to us whittering on for hours and hours. The Speed Graphic is, is the one that people tend to gravitate towards because that, with the Speed Graphic, you can then use those older, slower lenses because it has a shutter curtain in the back. That's right, isn't it, Simon? That's right, yeah. Focal plane shutter. Focal plane shutter, if it works. And I think you wind it up to different tensions to get different speeds, maybe. Yes, I've, I've seen one. I, I I had one. I can't remember Did you? Why. Was your dad I, give you one? Well, I, he might have given it to me, and then I gave it back because oh. it was kind of heavy, and I wound yeah, it. I imagine it would it be. I thought, no, I don't want this. If you've got one of those lovely old Petzl lenses or something, you know, the old brass portrait lenses and it and you haven't got a, or, or any lens with no shutter, then you can, people use these Aero Ektar lenses. They were the fashionable ones, the uh, aircraft focusing 
reconnaissance lenses. Right. So you had one, didn't you, Simon, or something? I, 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 I do have one, but it's still not in a serviceable condition, and I don't have a camera that I can mount it on either. Well, so I, I may as well. You have to build it. one. Yeah. Why don't you build one to fit to suit? And the, with the, with a the focal plane shutter, mm, yeah. that's, that's the tricky bit. So, Amy, you had your crown graphic given to you, which is one of your early loves. What was your progression? So, how did you? Well, let me just before we go on to that, what sort of things did you find yourself shooting with with your crown graphic? And then tell us about the next camera along in the large format journey. Well, I definitely uh, uh, photographed, especially at the beginning. Um, well, a big, a big problem that I had at the very beginning with large format photography, um, because I feel like there's just, you know, the larger you get, the larger the it number of errors that you can make. Um, yeah. With sheet film, it just grows exponentially. But I, uh, I did not. I, I had no idea how to load the holders. I, I purchased some film. I got just some of the more inexpensive, if there's such a thing with large format, um, the Arista film. And I asked my dad, you know, what direction, how do I load it? And he said, well, the notches go on the top right. As and, you look at it. Well, as yeah. You hold as, it up in front of you. Well, yes, he says top yeah. right. I thought, okay, well, um, for months, I mean, I think I blew through an entire box of film and the negatives were so thin and I couldn't figure out what was wrong. Um, and then one day I was in the dark room. I went to his, I went to their house and I was in the dark room with him and he showed me, uh, you know, I was like, well, show me like how you load it. Like maybe I'm doing something wrong. And I was loading it backwards. His definition of top, right. My interpretation of top, right was incorrect. So I'd been shooting through the back of the film and um, that was a, funny moment we both laughed really hard when we realized because he was like i just can't figure out he was he was helping me he was um because i'd been using d76 and he was like oh maybe you need a better developer he's like let's you know this is how my father does things he does things properly he runs a test you know with the gray cards and you know to determine your you know what's your actual film speed in this camera and how much time you need for development and what iso should you really be shooting it at, um, whereas I just kind of load the thing and wing it. This is Simon, what we touched on with Richard yeah. Pickup. So he's talking about it's not about pushing or pulling film, it's about determining your own exposure index, which is what Amy's father's doing. Yes, he's, and he's choosing a film and determining by testing where he's getting his correct shadow detail in his zone three area. And yeah. then if it, if it means his FP4 becomes 80 instead of 125, well, that's what he shoots it at. Yes, and, and it his, makes your life a lot easier um if you actually go to that effort i mean yeah. uh, you know my dad always tends to be right about all of these things <laughs> and uh, slowly it's getting through my thick skull that yes actually running tests with each camera is probably the best way to go because you're just a lot less or you can just or if we if we if you haven't got much time on your hands you just go out and have some fun that's probably right, what most right. of us do Yes, that, that's definitely what I do. But um, in the process of running these tests with him, um, discovered that the problem was that I was loading it backwards. Uh, but uh, what was really good, I mean, the terrific outcome of that, besides me just learning how to load the film properly, was um, I started using a different developer. I used 
DK50, which um, he's been mixing it for me because he actually has all the powdered chemistry. Um, but uh, I have it now. That's his most recent gift to me was lots and lots of chemistry. So um, I can mix it myself and I get terrific results. That's what I use for my sheet film. I don't know okay. if you can buy buy it in a bag. No, I think it's probably a published formula. I'll, I'll go right. and look it up. It's, it rings bells. Right. So um, you piqued my interest now to see what sort it is. Yeah, I, I get terrific contrast. It just does everything that I want. And you're shooting that primarily still with Arista film, are you? Uh, uh, no, I, um, I usually use Ilford. I would like to use Tri-X, but I just can't afford it. Which Ilford um, are you using? In? Um, HP5. Hmm. But I rate it, I personally rate it at 200. There you go. Me too. Um, so, uh, but I do have some Arista film in 5x7. Um, that's terrific. Uh, someone gave it to me. I think she ordered the wrong thing by mistake and sent me what? all of this five by seven film. I know. Like, like, wow, that's, that's a tremendous. That's gift. lovely. It is. I, yeah. is uh, it, but, I think the rest of film is that one. I don't know if we see that over here. I might be wrong, but is that one that you find in places like Freestyle and B and H? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Is it something to do with Freestyle? Something I, think I can't. I think it might be. Somebody out there listening to the podcast, just remind us about Arista Film. Share, post something when you've listened when you've listened to us rattling on. I think post it's intended. I think it's intended to be like a student film, mm. but um, it's terrific. It's definitely. It might be Fomapan. Could be, um, but there's nothing studenty about Fomapan because that can be quite tricky to master. But it's cheap. Yeah, it is. Right. Or oh, Shanghai. Yeah. Some of those Shanghai films are. You know, there could be one of those. No, I think it's just more student prices. <laughs> yeah, but uh, some of those Chinese ones, the Shanghai film, that's that's cheap as chips, and Foma Pan is cheap. Well, I've heard good things here. about it. Yeah. Anyway, not to But anyhow, um, so yeah, that was uh, you know, learning how to load the film properly at last was a big leap forward for me. Just um, just, just go back to that, Amy, because you know, for new people just finding us and perhaps thinking about or for graham young you know how to load how to load sheet film and what what are we talking about with with notches on the film simon well, would you like to explain that or amy would you like to explain it uh well i know that every film stock has its own unique set of notches yeah um codecs are kind of pointy like teeth uh, hilfers are a combination of like Round bits and yes. and and square bits, aren't they? <laughs> In right. Different orders. And, and Arista has uh, just, I think, the one little half circle, like round thing. Okay. Um, but um, ah, I think you know, I'm, I'm I've got a feeling Foma has one little circle. So that is, yeah. maybe yeah. maybe Simon's right. Well, somebody I've just found somebody who's just uh, somebody called Josh Harmon Images. Has uh -huh. uh, put some pictures up, which are very, very good, and it's got Foma Pan 100, and then in brackets, Arista EDU 100. There we go. Yeah. Now I knew I'd come across sheet film with one little circular notch in, and and I knew it wasn't Kodak. So the only other film I've used is Foma, so it must be that. All right. Uh, it's uh, it's it's thinner. You know, it feels thinner than. Like Kodak Tri-X. It can be quite uh, contrasty, but maybe yeah, the... it's a terrific film. Mm. I think as long as you're using it properly and using a good developer, um, mm. yeah, it's a 
I use it a lot. I haven't got, I'm actually right out of it at the moment, but it's probably probably the film that I'll be using most of, along with a bit of F, FP4. So what about loading it then? How do you, where where does your notch have to be, Amy, for those new to all this? Well, if you're try and, and describe I it, Chris. Now I'm on <laughs> the you're... spot. Hopefully, I say the right thing. But um, my definition, uh, so top, what my father meant by top right was top, as in you're looking at the film holder and the little metal thingy. The little get. Yeah, the little thing that you lift up to put that the film you in. you pull it out is at the top. I yep. was thinking of it as on its on its side, I yeah. guess, with okay. that, how you would stick it into the camera to do a landscape. Yeah, yeah, um, okay. So that's why I was putting the notches. So you're holding the the sheet film holder in front. If you were holding it in front of you in portrait format with the little flappy thingy at right. the top, so you're holding it in your left hand in that orientation. Then you've got your film also in portrait mode in your right hand, say, if you're right-handed. How, where, where, would you, where would the notches be? Uh, the notches would go on the right-hand side. Top right, yeah. So the, way that I, the way that I load it, I hold it um, in landscape orientation. Yeah, me and too. And I slide the film in that way, and which means that the notches need to be <laughs> like at, at the bottom. Bottom right. Right. <laughs> uh, bottom left. No, bottom right. Oh, yeah, bottom. Yeah, I put it in. Well, I put it in. If you're, from the right, if you're sliding right. it from right to left, then it would be yeah. end up being because all you're doing is moving the 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 film holder through ninety degrees to the right, aren't you? All right, but this is so important. I mean, you'll still <laughs> get is. an image, but you'll frustrate yourself. That's what Simon's been doing wrong. Well, I've been I've started. been using bottom left. Well, it's wrong. Seriously. Well, I see. I see. No, it won't. No, it's be, the opposite. It? But that—that's because I push upwards. Into yeah. It rather yeah. If than you're drop pushing up. To. Yeah. As long as, right. as so, if you're holding the film in your right hand, see what a great topic we've opened up. If you're holding <laughs> the holding the film in your right hand, in your right hand, and you've you're holding it in portrait mode, and you can feel the little notches to the top right, facing you as the emulsion. Now, how you then put that into the sheet film holder is up to you. If you feed it from right to left, then automatically, you know, the notches will appear under the gate. If you push it in the other way, the notches will appear not under the film gate. So my notches <laughs> always appear under the film gate because, like Amy was saying, I would pull a little gate down, little gate thingy, and slide the film in with right. my right hand. So your notches appear under the gate. Whereas I think you're Simon, if you if you slide your notches in <laughs> the other way, as long as you've still got the emulsion facing you, it doesn't matter, does it? Yeah, but it's just the same. It's it, there's no difference. It's just the orientation of the. I holder. know. I know. Are you left-handed? Are you left-handed then? No, no, no. You're just no. cack-handed. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but I I I, I move it up into it rather than. Uh, well, that's okay. That's just or, I, or from the. But, but if you're holding the the, the, the surely. Surely, <laughs> Amy's with me on this. The easy thing to do, if you've got the film in your ha right hand, yeah. if you're right-handed, and t to identify the notches, why would you do anything other than just slide it in so that the notches are the last bit to go in the holder? Why would you turn it round? And well, I don't. I don't turn it round. Don't you? Oh, you just offer. You just offer the. 
bring it up and you're, you're just pushing it in that way okay. yeah exactly it's just the that's orientation. weird i think we should have a we should start a poll on the <laughs> on the facebook group as yeah. to which, who's go, right but if i if i if I, if the the holder is on the left hand side and uh, I'm, I'm holding the the film with the right and mm -hmm. i'm going i'm pushing from the right to the, to left, the left yeah then yeah. it's still in the bottom right hand corner that's right. right. You said bottom yeah. left a minute ago. Did I? Yeah. Ah, yes, and that's right. Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's no, that's that, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. listeners, I mean, Simon's well, just from, confusing everybody now. No, no, no. I, I need to finish what finish this. I mean, what I just said there. But yes, if but if you reorientate that through clockwise through ninety degrees, and I'm pushing upwards, then it becomes in the bottom left. Yeah, whatever yeah. you say. Yeah. 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 Let's move on very quickly. <laughs> I thought it would be a really good idea to explain loading film for beginners and we've gone oh. and confused everybody. <laughs> i tell you what, um, listeners, just go on YouTube. That'll be it, won't it? Yeah. But I, I found it went... Have you ever been in that situation, Amy? Because I don't use too many different films. I use mainly FP4 and Fomapan. Sometimes I've had some HP5. But I have come across... And normally I write on the little white bit with a pencil what film is loaded in there that's what i do and then i rub it off with an eraser rubber but i have come across film and i if i'm not sure if it's loaded or if there's film in there or not normally normally i'm fairly sure by the orientation of the dark slides so in my case if it's showing light white instead of black it, for me it means it's unexposed uh, but i have found film in these i've gone in the darkroom just to double check and oh there's film already in there but I, I don't know what it is because i've forgotten so the notches is always a good way and i keep two or three i, I now keep an example of fp4 foamer and hp5 because i can never remember just pinned to a board in the darkroom so if i do get that i can just look and look at the notch code and see which it is or you can yeah. go online i think there's lot there's you can find these notch codes online or in some of the large format books Oh, it's bound to be there. I the yeah. I only really either use I only use Ilford or um, the Arista or Boma yeah. as it yeah. might be. But I develop them both the same. So mm -hmm. um, I used to label them. I would actually put a piece of uh, tape on there and just write it. But I don't label them anymore since I develop them the same. same. I think well, it doesn't matter anyway. Well, you're, the develop this DK fifty must be you know. Uh, must be flexible enough to handle it, or maybe the times are just broadly similar. In fact, they yeah. probably they probably are. I think FOMA, FOMA, I'm developing in ID 11, one to one. I'm probably developing that somewhere around um, uh, uh, eight, eight eight to nine minutes, and certainly with HP five, um, normally I'm about nine and a half minutes. So doing it if you did oh. them both at sort of nine ish, they'd be fine. So you know you can get away with all sorts of things, really. Right. And if uh, if your DK fifty is a is a sort of fairly forgiving developer, um, it must yeah. be. Yeah. Um, but but I HP, think HP five, of course, is one of those flexible your flexible friend, isn't it? Right. I think you know uh, with any film, I think that you know consistency is a good pathway to success in terms of like working really hard to. Uh, you know, meter things the same, like, you know, do everything as similarly as you can with every single time, you know, every, every time that I do large format, I, I have one specific meter that I use and I kind of do it the same way. And 
I always rate the film the same. What's your metering technique, Amy? Well, it's different with large format than with other things. I have a, just like a, I guess it's an incident meter. Um, not, I do not use a spot meter for, um, for a large format, Mm -hmm. but I just kind of walk over and I get close to the darker area and kind of wave the thing around and go with whatever it tells me. Um, it's well, that's not super always, that's exact, all, that's, well, that's always going to err you on the safe side because it's going. If you're if you're metering in those darker areas, it's going to indicate a more generous exposure, which right. is generally generally better than having too little exposure. Absolutely, especially with a large format. I mean, I personally prefer a denser negative to a thinner one. Um, it just makes my life easier. But um, yeah, that's that's what I do with all of my uh, large format. And you're simplifying your, you're not, you're not a member of the film a week club. So you're keeping one, one at most two films. So that's giving you some consistency as well, isn't it? Right. And I feel, you know, I feel like by doing that and I mean, I do that, I pretty much only shoot um, Tri-X with the smaller formats. Although sometimes I use um, Ilford, but I feel like, uh, just that consistency. Well, you're a street photographer. Why would you not use Triax? <laughs> <laughs> but you know, I feel like the consistency has definitely been my friend. Just like sticking to one thing. You know, this works. It it takes yeah. um, it takes a lot of the variables and wild cards out of the equation for me. And there are um, enough of those to worry about in large format photography. So why make? Oh life? yes, I mean, I have. I honestly, I have so much trouble with uh, scratching the film, the negatives, or somehow managing to take a chunk out of the emulsion. I don't know how I do that. Um, I don't know if it's like in the loading process or the developing process. I tell you what I've had a problem with recently, and I've had it with, with, with the last lot of FOMA 100 I've had, and I've never had a real problem with FOMA. I've noticed, I was making a print and I was noticing these, um, uh, not light spots, which are dust, but black spots. And when I look at the negative, I see some tiny little holes in the emulsion. And when yeah. I Google that, people talk about it can be down to the acid stop bath. Well, I don't use an acid stop bath. I never have done. I just you go from developer to a few changes of water. And so I don't know whether that's an emulsion fault or some other idiot mistake I'm making. I will tell you, I, you know what I think? that it probably is is uh, dust that's on the negative when it goes into the developer. Uh, um, that's, that has been my experience um, for that. Now reason, I, dust I, out the, I do dust out the, the film holders. Yeah, it's hard. It's hard. But, to but, have it. but using a, using a brush, you, you probably end up then introduce, you could introduce static charge to it, can't you? So that would then attract dust. My darkroom isn't always dust free. I have to say, you know, I mean, it's, occasionally I'll go in there and look at the top of the enlarger and I see dust has settled in there. So, Right. Yeah. I think it's, it's really hard to keep, you know, to have no dust with it. Um, uh, you know, I, cause I, I have all of those dip tanks and stuff, but I don't actually, I haven't been using them. Um, I tray process my sheet film. Okay. Uh, so I do with four by five. Sometimes I'll do four at a time. But I tend to do no more than four. Do you, uh, do you keep each, Do you keep when you're doing that in a tray? Do you keep each 
you have a dedicated space for each of your four sheets and try not to let them overlap each other or do you not worry if they all kind of overlap each other no i put them in there i put them in there one at a time and then i just kind of like because i do constant agitation and i kind of shuffle them right uh every few kind of uh, i just kind of like tilt you know agitate the tray by tilting it constantly you know kind Mm -hmm. of you know i don't know how to describe it but um so i'll just pick it up and put it behind i just constantly cycle them so you, you're working in complete, complete darkness. darkness, so you couldn't really see what's happening, could you, anyway, no. unless, you're, unless you've got your fingers stuck in there? Well, I, well, I, I keep my hands in it. So, um, But you? what I do um, to try to combat the dust is I put it in a water bath first, so in complete darkness, obviously. Uh, that also removes that whatever it is, the uh, anti-halation yeah, layer, that blue stuff. stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's always my fingernails are always stained after I've been doing this, but... Um, I, I put it in the water first and soak it for a little bit to try to get any dust that might be on the negative hmm. off of it. Um, but I mean, yeah. it's not perfect. Yeah, you and, see, well, I do. So your theory, which I thought first, I thought you were on the money there with dust, but then I'm using two types of four five developing tanks. One is the Stearman Press four four five four sheet tank that takes just under 500 milliliters uh-huh. uh, and one and then i use a mod 45 mod 45 mod 54 whichever the insert is that goes in the patterson one liter tank but in all i use a water bath in both cases i always have okay. done i always have done um some people say you don't need to but I, i've always done so because i like to see that color disappear right so dust presumably dust would get wa- washed off in that phase wouldn't it you would think so you would think so. I mean, I I still have some though, um, which is part of the reason why I uh, I've started doing contact prints. Um, okay, tell us about your because contact. I feel like it's more forgiving when you enlarge it. You know, you can really see those black. Well, if you're if you're using, you mentioned earlier, and I was going to try and find a time to slip it back in. You mentioned condenser enlargers, and then you right. mentioned uh, your other one, which by definition right. would probably be a diffuser enlarger. Right. The condenser, of course, will show up. It's a different kind of a, a more harsh light, if you will. Yes. So it shows up dust scratches and general negative crap, doesn't it? Um, yes. More, yes, more, it so, more so than an enlarger with a color head, where scratches and marks generally fade into into the distance. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the, you know, there's just so much room for for so many types of errors. I mean, I've even, you know, obviously not had very clean hands and kind of had chemical mess along the edge of some of my negatives. I'm just like, well, I just go with it, you know? Um, but so I, tell, I us about, I, tell us about your contacting printing journey. What, <clears throat> um, well, part of the reason that I wanted to start doing that was because, uh, the next camera that my dad gave me was, uh, a Kodak 33A view camera, uh, which I have, I can do both four by five and five by seven with it. Um, and it's a lot more fiddly to set up. Um, is it a wooden thing? It's a wooden thing. And you know, you have to fold down the front end or you have to fold down the back and kind of, uh, screw the thing in. And, um, Mm -hmm. uh, it's a, it's great though. Um, I enjoy using it. You know, the process is even slower uh, and it's bigger and heavier than the crown graphics. So. And five, five by seven. Um, so 
if I had one of those, I'd just shoot five seven because why would why would you why would you not really? But five seven is supposed to be, you know, that's almost ideal format because the cameras are smaller than eight by ten, and it's it's a bigger it's a big enough difference in size to make beautiful contact prints. Although you can make beautiful contact prints with you know any size negative really if you if you wish, but five seven do you, is that how you use it more in the five yeah. seven format yeah yes i do um a, a lot of the time if i'm taking it out and i'm really going to do like a bunch of large format i'll take both mm-hmm. um because you know i'm carrying all this stuff around like i'll take you know why not um and also i know that the four by five negatives i can enlarge if i want to whereas the five by seven my only option is contact print. contact printing mm-hmm. um but or scanning like, or maybe scanning you know? Oh, scan! You know what? I don't scan them. Uh, my scanner—it just takes so long to scan one of those five by sevens. That if I, what I prefer to do is to um, to make the contact print, and then I'll just scan that. Yep. Um, and I, I haven't done as much contact printing as I would like, mainly because it's been hot, and um, there's just I only have so much time to spend in the darkroom anyway. Oh, but yeah. Um, yeah. I, I really enjoy it. I, I feel like some reason it feels less labor intensive to me than doing enlargements. Um, but I'm kind of lazy with it too. I don't really do a test strip. Um, I just lay it on there and kind of make a guess. Are, um, is it, you're still using your enlarger or using a separate light source? I am using my enlarger and the, uh, so I have, I have a ton of photographic paper. I'm pretty lucky. Like many years ago, the, uh, camera store that was in Waco that had been there forever. I mean, I'm talking like a hundred years forever, something like that. Uh, went out of business, which is very sad because now Waco has no film processing or anywhere to get darkroom supplies or anything. But um, when they were going out of business, of course, you know, this place was like a staple for, in my childhood. I went there with my dad all the time and he uh, went and the two of us bought up a whole ton of photographic paper that they were getting rid of at, I mean, seriously bargain prices. So I have a bunch of this uh, RC pearl paper because, of course, at those prices, I was going to buy it, whatever it was. I thought, I'll figure out a way to make it work. Um, And I don't really like it for enlargements. Uh, For whatever reason, I guess it's just like the texture of the paper. I, I, I don't like it. But it... I think it makes absolutely beautiful contact print. Is that the? Is it Ilford, Amy? It's Ilford, yeah. Uh, yeah, pearl, yeah, multi-grade, multi-grade pearl. Yeah, it's very popular. It's it's that it's the surface that's between matte and gloss in resin coated. Right, um, and I think it makes really beautiful contact prints, um, mm. which I'm very happy to have found something that I like using it for because I have a lot of it. Um, <laughs> but uh, recently, my dad gave me. Um, and I put something on my blog about this, uh, some, a huge box of this Azo paper, which I don't think they make anymore. I think it was a Kodak product, I believe. A-Z-O, A-Z-O. Yes. Um, and he told me, I don't think that he knew a great deal about it. He told me that you could use it in the sun, which was extremely appealing to me because um, I use the sun for cyanotypes. Uh, I tried using it in the sun, and it, it was just, completely black. You know, he told me, well, you explode, expose it in the sun and then you develop in photographic chemicals. Um, and I've looked around online for 
some advice on this because all of the tests I was running, even just barely showing it to the sun, like just for like a second, even in the shade, it was just way too much exposure. Um, and I have, I don't think that my, my enlarger bulb, I have to, I have to expose it for like a minute. And that's just longer than I want to be exposing it for that's is that with your enlarger lens that's with the open. enlarger bulb just like the you know just like wide open you with, know with your lens fully open with the yeah with the lens fully open and yeah. i i may have tried it dialing in some magenta i might have just had it completely white but um yeah mm. i think so i think i need a brighter bulb than that for the azo paper but um interesting well i mean if, I people, really, out, I if really, people out there um listening to the podcast and if you're uh, into the uh, Facebook group, then share some stories about using Azo paper. There are several folks using what we would – I know Graham Young and even Graham Jago, who's um, – Amy is a UK podcast host on Sunny 16, with Rachel, actually, Rachel Brewster-White. Both of those, you, what we might call lumen prints, and Graham, is, uh, Graham Jago is using just some old paper that um, Rachel gave him, I think, and – and just laying bits of fo foliage and leaves and things on and exposing it under the sun. I don't know how long he leaves it for, um, I, and I don't know what he's developing it in, but uh, he, well, he's I'll making some you, lovely lovely prints, sim you know, similar to those sort of cyanotypey leaf prints. Yes, um, I actually made a lumen just the other day. I've made them before. Um, yeah, you don't have to develop that. It's a, it just cooks. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, oh, sorry, you just don't, but it'll eventually just build it carry on but you need to scan it quickly if you want to preserve it presumably do you you do um if you want to preserve it exactly as it looks you uh, i always scan mine right away you can fix them which mm -hmm. means that it'll be permanent and then you could display it um, okay. as is but when you fix it it changes the color <sighs> so um yeah but that's a great way uh, it's a really fun way i think to use old photographic paper that you might not necessarily be able to print with. Well, I've got, I've bought a load of old stuff recently with the intention of trying to make lith prints, which is another little passion of mine. Oh. And I've, um, I'm not sure I've, at the moment I'm using FOMA paper to make my lith prints, but I bought some other stuff as well because it was cheap. And I thought, Hmm, that's old. And it's brand names that I remember. So right. maybe it'll still be okay. But if it's yeah. not, if it's not, I'll try messing around in the sun with it. Yeah. Well, I think sometimes with old papers, I, you could still use it as long as it's not fogged. You just have to yeah. put like, what is it, uh, bromide, bromide or something like that? Yeah. Bromide. Yeah, that can help with fogging, can't it? Uh, I haven't I haven't tried that. Apparently. Uh, no, that's yeah. another one of those things like, that I've read about. But I've never right. really used old paper. You see, I've always bought fresh. But now I do have a stack of older paper to play with because I thought, well, why not, you know? Right. Absolutely. Um, but, yeah, so that's um, – you know, that's the contact printing. I, I don't know. I, I really am enjoying it. Um, and with the seven by 17 camera that I have. So um, hang on, hang on a sec. So yeah. <laughs> what, when you went from the crown graphic to your Kodak 33A, what, what changed in your approach to large format photography? Did you, did you find you using it in different ways to the crown graphic or did the, five seven format affect your thinking in any way um well i i feel like i do use it in a different way to the crown graphic because of the lenses that i have for it 
Okay. What, um, what le- that, le- Simon's just woken up now, so you. We moved off from Lumen Prince now, have we? <laughs> yeah. Right. But the lenses that I have, um, so I have, when he gave me that camera, he gave me four lenses. Two of them are, will only cover up to four by five. Uh, the two that I have that cover five by seven, one of them, um, I can't remember what exactly what it is. It might be like a 127 or something, but I honestly don't like it very much. Um, it doesn't give me very good contrast. I need to keep giving it, I need to put some more time into it to figure out a way to get better contrast Is that out because of it. it's an older lens or? It, um, could, un- it could be. I'm str- so would that be an un- could that what would lead to that Simon? Could it be uncoated or could it just have some fungus in it? <laughs> well, there, there could be quite a few a, a few uh, reasons for it, um, and you've and you've mentioned there, but it's, there's a case that some old lenses are all better than than, than others. It's a, it's as simple as that. So uh, uh, without knowing the the the, the lens, like, it's it's hard for me to really comment on that. Um, yeah, I don't I don't know exactly what the reason is, but. Um... You know, I don't, I don't want to waste um, too much film fooling with it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so, but the other lens that he gave me is a Protar lens, Ooh. which I will admit I had not heard of before. Apparently, this is something kind of touching on legendary. Um, what I like about it is I can go to f64 with it, and you know, that's that magical number from the past, isn't it? Um, so, but it, you know, it doesn't really have a, I don't know if I'm saying this right. It doesn't really have a shutter. I mean, it doesn't, there's no shutter speeds. You can adjust how wide it's open, but then you're the shutter speed with the lens cap. So is it an old, uh, sort of an old brass lens? Is that, is that what it is? Yes. Simon, Simon, yeah, do you know? Well, yeah, it's, well, you describe it. It sounds like it's a barrel lens. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a Protar uh, V five, I yeah. think. Yeah, and that I, I take it. Is it is it black? Uh, no, it is brass in oh. color, like that kind of color. It's really mm. small too. Okay. Um, so I've, I've seen the I've seen the black ones, which are uh, Carl's Ice uh, lenses, um, okay. and. Uh, um, but I think they're the forerunner. I think they're the forerunner of the uh, Tessar lenses. I think. Um, I mean, it's certainly in the eighteen hundreds. I think with Protars. I'm not sure if they continued into the uh, into the twentieth century or not. Um, who made Tessar lenses? That was a sort of design. Zeiss. Yeah, was, that was well, Zeiss. Yeah, yeah. Tessars and what? Tessars was Zeiss and what? And something else was someone else. <laughs> well, I think. Well, I think the Pro, Protars. I think they were Zeiss as well. Were they? Yeah, I'm, I'm. I'm pretty sure. I mean, they, although I think they, there was a lot of uh, borrowed uh, learning going on at, at that period, anyway. Uh, but I'm, I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure the Protar or Pro. I mean, I'm, the, I've seen one there, Protar Lintz. I think the uh, it, it, it says, which is I think Lintz is going to be German for lens, I guess. But they also use objective yeah. as well, don't they? Um, but the one that I saw was a convertible lens as well. So you can unscrew uh, the back end of it. I think it's the back end you, you unscrew, and that actually changes the focal length of the lens. Oh. So I don't know if that would apply to yours. You might want to you might want to try that um, if you if it's set up to be able to use it. Um, just unscrew the rear out the rear part of the lens and see if you still get an image. Um, so right. I've, I've got a, um, a, a 
that's one that sounds quite similar to yours and it's a 300 350 350 f i don't know if it's f 12 point something or something like that but yeah you you unscrew the back of it and it it, it it increases the focal length and the rear element decreases the focal length when you put it back on again oh i i i will admit i i'm not i don't know a great deal about it i mean even in terms of the focal length um one of those things that I should know, but I just don't off the top of my head. Um, but it's a it's a terrific lens in terms of I, I don't know. I just think it makes really beautiful negatives. But obviously, since it, it's a little bit, it feels a little bit like pinhole to me because it I can't be that precise with it. Um, it says you know I because I like to use it at f sixty four. I think it only goes. To eight, f18 or something like that it's it's uh, quite it's quite possible i mean it's certainly an, an old lens but yeah and, and if you're using that with really slow film you don't need the shutter anyway yeah because you're, right. you're going to be in bulb mode aren't you so you're going to be it would be great amy when when you if you go onto the kickstarter for chromographica dry plate holders which will be uh -huh. in you can get a 571 okay ah. then you can have iso 2 and you can put that will be the perfect combination that can then be your dry plate camera uh, you can put your photographer's hat over the lens and expose the image and put your photographer's hat back over the lens and you can process your dry plate in um any film chemical uh what are they hc 110 i think they recommend but anyway whatever and you have lovely dry plate negatives made with your lovely old brass lens. Oh, a perfect combo. Perfect combo. So uh, if you so go and check out um, uh, go and check out the Kickstarter. Which still it's still live at the moment, but okay. when this podcast comes out, it'll probably won't be. It, it's I think it just it carries on just a tad after uh, the it? podcast finishes. Yeah, I think it's okay. uh, September the 9th, and I think ours comes out on the sixth. I think or some, something like that. Anyway. So yeah, there's your perfect okay. perfect lens to use your ISO two um, glass plate negatives. Of course, you can use your Ilf that stack of Ilford multi-grade pearl paper, which is you know a little bit faster than iso2 but right. still still around not that. much <laughs> yeah not much and in your texan light um it, it might be six or something you know but anyway i was, I was just going to say the uh the, the generally with those slow films though that i mean the, the the old photographs that you would see they were taken with very fast lenses um, because they were still relatively, yeah, there were still exposures over a second, even with a relatively fast lens. So, um, yeah, but you could do landscapes, can't you? Oh, absolutely, yeah. People. And yeah. you know, you get mil milky water and all all of that kind of good yeah. stuff. Yeah, right. or you can just, or you can clamp your children's heads in a vice or something. <laughs> you so stand still. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, try not to smile. Yo, then don't try at all. <laughs> um, right, I, I'm, I'm thinking we've uh, we've been talking for quite a while. Um, and we still, well, I think we should seven uh, by seventeen camera. You've got, oh, you've got yeah, Amy we've been talk about we've been, that. we've been teasing that all the way through. All, oh, you know, Amy I can't get anyway. this far. Yeah. Not the okay, let's camera. let's let's do the seven by seventeen. Okay, well, um, that one he actually gave me in between the crown graphic and the. Uh, so your dad gave you this the, one as well. He did. He did. I was yeah, like, okay, great. what's next? I have no idea. Um, but it, uh, honestly, I. It's not a very practical camera, um, and the lens that I 
I have two lenses for it now. This, the other one that I got, I actually haven't even used yet. Um, but the one that he gave me with the camera, I, I don't, I have not really laid eyes on it in quite some time, but it's definitely a very old lens. Um, he, he made water stops for me and it's one of those that you have to use the little, you know, the bulb that you squeeze, um, so the lens, you instead of changing an aperture, you actually slide in waterhouse yeah. stops. They're called, aren't they? Yeah. That's it. So different yeah. size, different size holes. You would slide in on a brush on a on a metal shim, or, yeah. or they just slide in and out. So that's how I you're think changing he, your he, aperture. He made them out of. Uh, I think he sacrificed some old faulty uh, film holders. So he made it out of the plastic dark slide. Okay. Thing from the film holder, but um. So, yeah, it's really super fun to use in that sense. Uh, it definitely takes a few minutes to set the camera up um, just between getting it out of the trunk that it lives in and successfully maneuvering it onto the tripod because, I mean, heaven help me if I break that piece of ground glass um, and then, you know, you have to put the little tube for the bulb onto it and everything and I usually give it quite a few tests before I actually make a picture but um, you can get 7 by 17 film. Uh, Ilford does their ultra large format run I think like once a year or something. Okay. But it's about 10 bucks a sheet so um, I prefer to use paper negatives and um, my dad gave me along with that he gave me a huge roll of single weight fiber paper um, so what I do, and this is the reason why I didn't manage to get any of those holders loaded, I have to cut it down so that it'll go into the holder. I mean, it's something else, loading a film holder that's that big. And even pulling the dark slide out, you know, you feel like you're pulling it out for five minutes um, <laughs> when you're making an explosive. It's this huge thing. And then trying to get it back in there. And the holders are very old. They're wooden um, I'm, I think, I suspect that this camera will be a little piece of my hometown history as well. It probably belonged to one of the old photographers there. Um, so I've used it um, at home a couple of times uh, because I really, uh, you know, it deserves to be used more. But I, I feel like it's much more of a landscape type camera. Um or very, tall, or very tall trees like sequoias. <laughs> I, and see, that's the thing. I don't. I don't think I can. I can't do portrait. It's only landscape. Yeah, I mean, I, so, I wouldn't. Yeah. I wouldn't dare to try to tilt the thing. Um, and I, at the back does not. Uh, you know, the back doesn't rotate. Uh, on my my other view camera, the thirty three A, the back rotates, mm -hmm. which is nice. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the so that big barrel lens that I got with it is pretty telephoto. Because um, when I took it, I, when I took it out in Austin to this big graffiti wall, I thought, well, this will be interesting, um, and it'll be perfect because you know you've got this crazy landscape negative. Um, but then I realized that I probably would have had to have been standing across the street from the wall in order to get all of it onto one photograph so I kind of did it in sections instead and after that I um, 
so I ended up buying a a wider angle lens for it. But like I say, I haven't I haven't taken it out, and I've you know it's been in the back of my mind. I have this guilt that I still haven't used it because I've had it for years. But um, you know, it's just quite quite the effort to take that camera out. But um, the paper negatives. Yeah, you know, I had to give them a good bit of exposure since I think I was rating it at six. And I made some contact prints from it. You know, you make, you get your paper negative and ideally you should let it, you should wash it thoroughly and let it dry first. But I think I was impatient. So I just slapped it on the paper wet and um, made a contact print. And it's amazing get, to me. You get, that good, that, you get good contact then. Yeah. Yeah. Right. It's amazing to me that it works. Uh, you know, it really kind of blows my mind that, uh, like the sensitivity of the paper that you can shine the enlarger light through another piece of paper and make an image. Uh, yeah. It's uh, lots of fun in the dark room with paper negatives. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, that is something that uh, I really, I'm like, okay, I'm going to make it happen. As soon as it cools off a little bit, I'm going to, going to take it out. And what I'd, um, what I'd love you to do if you can is to, when you join the large format photography podcast group, Facebook group, which you will do now, of course, of course, is to just share, take some pictures of these wonderful things we've been talking about all afternoon, and share pictures of the uh, 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 of the equipment, but also any uh, any pictures you know that you've made with them, good or okay. bad. But it would be just lovely. And any questions you have over, say, actually, I've been wondering about this, that lens you were talking about on the 5.7, for instance. Some right. folks might know more about it. And if Simon sees it, he might be able to chirp in. But it would be really lovely to see this, uh, these things that you've been talking about, these old wooden cameras and things that your dad gave you shared, right, in, shared, in, shared into the group. Fantastic. Thank you. Okay, well. I think it's time finally to do the last two emails that, that we've got from one person. So uh, do you want to take that away, Andrew? Yeah, sure. Um, so Ian Fleming, friend of the show, friend of many shows, Ian Fleming, and, uh, all round, all round lovely person sent two emails. Uh, make sure I get them. I'm not sure if I'm getting these in the right order or not. The first one's easy to deal with because it's not really a question. But I'll read it anyway. Um, let's just get it up. Ian, Simon, Andrew. Sounds like something from the Bible, doesn't it? Oh, that's Simon Peter. Uh, really enjoyed this episode. So he's talking, he's referring to the last podcast when we had the Chroma Graphica, Steve Lloyd and Jason Lane on talking about their Kickstarter, which we've been mentioned a few times this week. Really enjoyed this episode. I'd back it anyway. Well, we know, Ian, we know you, like me, you back all sorts of things just not the right horses sometimes that's why you're not a millionaire as i'm really keen to dry to try dry plate keep up the good work well i'm really keen as well ian and uh, so is amy now because she's got a lovely five by seven camera (laughs) and she can go onto the kickstarter and back a five by seven dry plate holder and then go and buy some dry plates so thank you very much, Ian. Always lovely to hear from you. And the second one is Simon Andrew. I've recently been given this lovely camera, three and a quarter by four and a quarter. Well, that's what there was a number of those sizes, Simon, wasn't there? Those sort of what could often be just called three by four, but there was there weren't just three and a quarter by four and a quarter. I think there were some other slight variations on it as well. Yeah, I mean that's the same size as my my baby speed. Yeah, 
And then it says big issues with the 124118 film availability. So I'm not sure, Ian, what you're talking about. I don't know what 124 film and 118 film availability is. What's one one? What, what's that, Simon? Do you know? Uh, not, not specifically, but Ian does okay. like his odd film sizes. I think it's a case of if, if they don't make it, then that makes Ian interested in it. <laughs> right. But So does this camera take roll film then, or I thought it was a sheet film camera? Uh, well, he's not actually said what his camera is. No, you're confusing. You need to, you need to um, give us more information in. Anyway, I, so he says oh, he's no, got it's, school. Oh, it's, it's at the top. It's in the title. It's a Kodak number three folding, folding brownie. Brownie. Ah, so it's not a. Oh, so so it is a roll film camera. There we go. Apologies. Just read your emails properly, and then I'll see Kodak number three folding brownie. That must be the camera that he's been given. There we go, and so it takes. 124 and 118 film. Whether well, I know there was a whole host of odd film sizes, wasn't there, years and years ago, and they've faded from memory. And I know that Ian is very keen to resurrect any kind of film. He sees it as a personal challenge to making. He did. He, I think he's even put sprocket holes in some weird. Well, one two six. I think he did. is that what it was? One yeah. two six. Yeah. Wow. I'm telling me when I met him, he's got a a, a, a machine to do that. He's a very interesting chap. If you, if you ever get the chance to meet Ian face-to-face and get him to talk with all his interesting backstory. Anyway, so he's got big issue with this film. He's got spools and backing paper. Okay, good. Might consider cutting down some 10 by 8 to get maybe three frames to shoot. Okay. But I'm amazed it has front rise and fall and a lovely lens and shutter. Sounds like a good enough reason to try and make it work in. Is there enough interest in these lovely 100-year-old cameras? I don't know. Maybe. And are they considered large format? I'd probably say no, but I don't really care that much. If you want to call it large format, generally if it's roll film, it doesn't fall into the large format category. Even if the film area is bigger than... A small, a little diddy sheet film camera. Yeah. Well, back in our first episode, I, I, I sort of tried to make uh, three and a quarter by four and a quarter eligible for large format, since yeah. I had one. Yeah, and it's sheet <laughs> film, isn't I was, it? I was shot down in flames by, by from, from many yeah. angles. So, uh, I, so yeah. yeah, ignore them. What do they know? All those naysayers. <laughs> if you want to call it large format and it's a sheet film, then but generally four or five is what people define, don't yeah. they? And if it's a roll film, I think, Ian... Probably not, mate. Sorry, but it sounds lovely. It does. Share some pictures in the large form. You can. We'll let you no, share some he, pictures in the large he's format. He's not on Facebook, unfortunately. Oh, he's not, is he? No. no. It's on oh, Instagram. That's very helpful. He's on Instagram. Okay. Well, you can follow Ian Fleming on Instagram, but just make sure you get the right one, not the dead author. Actually, I'll just see if I can. Here we go. Um, if you want to follow him on Instagram, it is I Fleming, and that's with one M. So I Fleming, and you can see what he's uh, what he's been up to. I found him, and I think we might have found the camera as well. Actually, uh, yeah, see the camera there. Yeah, there we go. Yeah, it oh, is. It, yeah, oh, that's lovely. What a lovely camera. That's gorgeous. I'll put it details in the show notes to Ian, and they can people and his Instagram feed. So, uh, yeah. Okay. Well, there we go. That's 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 it for the emails. Um, and I just want to mention a post that went into uh, our Facebook group uh, from Ali 
I don't know if it's Horic or Horic, um, and it's uh, to keep an eye open for a stolen KB Canon Woodfield 8x10 camera and associated kit. Um, this uh, camera was stolen as uh, Ali was on her way um, to uh, the University of Montana, I think it is, and uh, it was actually stolen, I think, out of a U-Haul truck uh, uh, at Billings in Montana. Um, so this is some beautiful equipment uh, that's, that's been mm. stolen from, from Ali, and uh, it's quite rare stuff. Um, there's there's information on the on the podcast uh, Facebook group, so you can see the details of everything that's gone there. So there's 8x10 Woodfield camera, uh, 8x10 uh, projector, 300mm Nikon, um, all the serial numbers are there, Sinar boards and uh, and so on and so on, and even tripods and uh, and digital spot meters and so on. So it's a whole, the whole kit's gone, uh, which is, this is pretty tragic. So um, hopefully you know, the word gets out there and uh, we, well, this, this stuff can get back to Ali. Absolutely. Yeah, terrible. It is. It's yeah. it's not something you hear well, I suppose, yeah, it's a fairly it's a fairly niche pastime, I suppose, large format photography, but somebody obviously saw it and thought that looks shiny and lovely and probably worth something. But right. you know, there's only unless you're gonna where are you gonna sell it? You're gonna sell it into areas where other large format photographers would look. So yeah, folks just keep an eye out if yeah. it's uh, well, the, the, if the, it uh, sounds too good to be true, it probably is. Well, it was the U-Haul trailer that was broken into, so there's a reasonable chance that oh. people would have just grabbed whatever was there and they might oh, not okay, actually yeah. know so, what was actually yeah. there, possibly. Um, no. Which is probably the case. Um, wow. Well, yeah. Goodness me. So, uh, so uh, Ali, I don't know if you listen to the to the show or not, but uh, fingers crossed for you there. I really hope you, you get your gear back. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Um, okay, one one last thing to move on to, and uh, that's to say thank you to those people that have contributed to the show, and uh, our most regular contributors have contributed again. Um, so thank you, James Thorpe, and uh, thank you, Christopher J. May, and Christopher J. May also uh, said uh, this is after the episode with... Um, Jason Lane and Steve Lloyd, another enjoyable episode. Uh, thank you as always, gents. And thank you, uh, Christopher, and thank you, James. Yeah, uh, thanks for your ongoing support. It's great. Yeah. And, uh, um, and I think that's just about it. So, Amy, um, it's been great to have you on the show. Um, there's just so much... There's so much actually where, that we didn't really get a chance to, to touch upon. As, as usual, that seems to be the way, doesn't it, Andrew? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was chatting some people over the weekend when I was away, and we were talking about length of podcasts, and and you know a lot of somebody said, "Well, can you not talk less?" <laughs> I said, "Yeah, probably," <laughs> but um, you know, I think I've you know Amy's done a lot of the talking, and and we didn't get on to a lot of areas. You know, uh, Amy has a wonderful blog. We'll give a shout out in a minute to, I'm sure, and. You know, she travels a lot. She's very much into photographing her family. And I think her love of family and certainly the legacy that her wonderful father has, has left her. Well, he's still with us, but, you know, he's, he's um, the legacy that he has brought into Amy's life is, is, has just shone through in everything she's had to say today. And that's, that's wonderful. But I would have liked to have had a little more time to talk about motivations and ideas and thought processes. But maybe next time, Amy. 
Sounds good. Thank you so much for having me on. This has really been lots of fun. <laughs> it, it, it has. And uh, just, just to um, uh, those people on Instagram who want to follow Amy, um, it's Amy J. Secker's one, one word, uh, and that's and we'll do the spelling in a second. But uh, if you scroll down a little bit, you will see a picture of Amy's father. Is that the large format portrait you took with the Graphics? Uh, it in a could chair. Be. It's for Happy Father's Day. Let's see. Mm -hmm. Ten so weeks that, ago. So. That was in June. I'm like, oh, uh, that, what did I make that with? Happy Father's Day. Okay. That was with a Graflex XL. Um, uh, another thing that he gave me. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Which, so may, I mean, honestly, uh, like you talk about how some of the medium format cameras are pretty big and you may as well be using large format i kind of feel that way about that camera is that what it is is that a medium format camera then it is it has, a, it has a variety of different sized backs six wow. by seven six okay. by nine wow uh but yeah it's I, I think it needs to be cleaned it's really difficult to focus I've, I've never heard of that camera before i've just just found some pictures of it <laughs> it's it's a bit like the mamaya press camera yeah it's a whopper. oh that big square thing the fugly yeah. thing mm. <clears throat> but it looks better actually i've got to say well, yeah, because that, take, that takes lots of different backs, doesn't it? Yeah. Reflex, yeah. I mustn't go and look at pictures of cameras. Oh. <laughs> well, um, yeah, yeah, close that, close that, close that down. Um, no but uh, Amy, it's just been absolutely great having you. Um, could you guide our listeners as to where they can find more of your work? Um, well, you can see it on Instagram. I really, I really enjoy. Instagram in general. Um, I also have a website, uh, which is Texas Girl Photography, all one word, dot um, com. And I share work on there, although I'm pretty guilty about only updating the blog and not really updating anything else. Um, although it's been my mission this year to blog once a week, and I've actually achieved it so far i'm patting myself on the back for getting this far well you've got around about 10 days before this podcast goes out so you can fill it with lots of large format stuff now <laughs> yeah we were struggling to find too many pictures of um, so much so that simon was wondering if you did actually use large format cameras amy I, you're right i don't think i have a lot of large format work on there um yeah, I, I'm bad. Like I say, I'm bad about not necessarily um, scanning well, all of it. it and it would be lovely to see a few examples with the cameras into the Facebook group at least. So oh yes, you bet. Task. There's your task. You bet. <laughs> or else we won't put your out podcast. There's your homework. <laughs> <laughs> You've got ten days. <laughs> Um, I, in I interrupted you there. I um, so you got TexasSchoolPhotography.com. You uh, you got Amy Jasek on the Instagram. Uh, is there any, anywhere else you're out there? Um, Flickr? Not really. I, I, I don't use my photography Facebook page that much. Um, that's Texas Girl Photography as well on Facebook. Um, so that's about it. No, on Flickr. On Flickr you have some? I don't know how, if you updated it much. but uh, No, not in many But there years. are some I, on there. Yeah, I mean, I've briefly sort of delved into just about everything that's out there, including mm. deviant art. But um, I just, I have, um. a, I can't, <laughs> it's a website. Did we not get to talk um. about that? <laughs> um, I, I, met some, I actually met some lovely people on the deviant art website. Um, one of whom I'm in the show notes. Deviant. 
Deviant Art. Art. I'm not sure how much of a thing it is anymore. I think it used to be quite big, but um... Simon's gone awfully quiet. He's, he's on there now. <laughs> I can hear the keys clicking. <laughs> I, I have heard of this, and I don't think it's what you think it is. Uh, so. oh, okay. Yeah, probably not. But um, don't be deceived by the name. But um, yeah, you know, there's so many different places out there, and there's just only so much time. So yeah, I kind of just focus on Instagram these days because it's quick and easy, and. Um, uh, I don't know. The community there seems really great in terms of film photography. So that's the main place for now. Well, add the the large format photography podcast Facebook group to your list, Amy, because there's some lovely people there as well. And they would love to see your cameras and some pickies. I will. I absolutely will. Very much. And uh, do you have any shout outs you might want to give out? Uh, absolutely. I mean, I would love to give a shout out to the Film Shooters Collective. Um, Which we didn't talk about. <laughs> but um i actually um i run the instagram account for that and we have uh takeovers every weekend um, members of the collective um take over and share their work and um i'm doing i don't do quite as much of it as i used to but i'm still a content manager for the website so anybody listening to this is a film photographer and would like to write something for our website get in touch with me always looking for um people to write for us so you mentioned uh, separately i think on another email about my uh, nothing to do with large format my ghost hotel ghost yes. project yes. that'll be finished in december and i was going to put some words with it because I, I i want i see it complete as a series a body of work with some words detailing thoughts you know trying to put some thoughts with the images yes so i'll share that with you in due course Excellent, excellent. Um, uh, I'd also like to give a shout out if anybody listening is into um, making cyanotypes. Uh, World Cyanotype Day is coming up uh, the last Saturday in September, and I would love for you to go check out worldcyanotypeday.com. Um, that has all the information about it. I mean, this last, is a whole last Saturday in September. Did you say? Yeah, yeah. I mean, this is a whole other topic obviously mm-hmm. but um, it is one we could have also we could have talked about next <laughs> and if people go to the website um hopefully that will I, i'm pretty sure on the website there's information about the facebook group which is very active same name and there's an official page and the instagram as well um but um yeah that the world cyanotype day is the sort of brainchild and passion project of um a woman from Shootapalooza. So that, and that's a group of mostly female um, photographic artists that I'm a member of. Um, and again, that's a whole other, that's a whole other thing. Um, but yeah, those are probably my shout outs other than my dad, which unfortunately you can't check out on social media or anything. Oh, we'd, li- <laughs> we'd love to have him on the show. Do you think he'd come and talk to us? I don't. Oh, I can ask him. Well, that would be with him. you, as in like the, the two of you yeah, together. That, yeah, that would be great. That would get you back and to cover some of these other areas and then to get – then maybe your dad would feel more comfortable if you were doing it. Maybe after he listens to this, he'll either put him off or um, or um, encourage him. <laughs> Perhaps, yeah. No pressure, Dad. <laughs> <laughs> right, well, uh, again – Thank you, thank you very, very much uh, for, oh, thank for, you. for being with us. Um, Andrew, have you got any shout-outs? I do actually have a shout-out, yeah, and it's a, a friend, 
a friend who shoots mainly pinhole work, but she does large format pinhole work. And she um, she's very active in the pinhole world. Her name is Diane Peterson, P-E-T-E-R-S-O-N. Oh, I know her. Yeah. And um, if you go to dianepeterson.com, that's her main website. Um, in fact, it might not be up to date now. Maybe that's not her place. She also goes under the name of Pinhole Queen, I think, in places. But you'll find her all over Facebook and Twitter, Diane Peterson. And you'll see she does these, she has these um, flat friends, she calls them. Um, they're like cardboard cutouts, wooden cutouts of, of people that she decorates and put animal heads on and makes families of them and puts them in different scenarios. Yeah, I think the website I just quoted is, is an old one out of date. But if you look up, look up Diane Peterson pretty much on any platform and look at her wonderful pinhole work, um, particularly the stuff she's doing with large format. She's on Instagram as well. She is, yeah. I just I picked up an old website here, so ignore that. I think that's the one been superseded. But you'll see she's posting regularly into um, various Facebook groups and... Uh, does some great work, and she's lovely as well. We met her when she came over for World Pinhole Day meetup uh, two years ago. Excellent. Um, well, I I don't have any shout outs uh, this this week. Although for some reason now I feel like uh, we've already mentioned Graham Jago of the Sun Sixteen podcast. We have. Um, and uh, in a in a private chat, he was uh, deriding our theme music again. Did he so, call it clown like, music or something? He calls it clown music. Yeah. And, uh, mm, that makes us even more determined to keep it. Yeah, exactly. The more you can play in Graham, the more we're going to play. In fact, we might do extra, extra long, uh, extra long intros just for Graham. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, that's it. Um, Andrew, uh, how can people uh, follow you when you're not doing this podcast? They can follow me on the other podcast, which Amy may well come on to at some point, which is the <laughs> Lensless Podcast, which is all about pinhole photography. And uh, you can find me there. You can find me hanging out in the large format photography Facebook group and online on Twitter and Instagram as Warboys Snapper. And my pinhole stuff is Warboys Snapper underscore pinholes. Okay. And uh, I'm on Twitter as Simon Four. That's S I M L S I M. O N. I can't spell my own name anymore. Uh, well, there's four at the end of Simon, and the four is spelled F O R uh, on Twitter. I'm on. I've got. I'm on. Where is it? Uh, Instagram as Simon Forster Photographic, and I've actually just followed the film Film Shooters Collective now. So I urge you guys to do that too. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, and I'm, I'm not trying to. Um, uh, not bribe, but uh, coerce um, Amy into uh, putting one of my shots up there. But I'm going to put I'm going to put the tag on there, which is uh, yes, hey F S C is a is a hashtag, and you have a chance of uh, getting your film shots uh, featured um, on the Film Shooters Collective by by Amy. So uh, that's a good thing yes. to do. Oh, I didn't know that. That is me that does the choosing. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, uh, I've already, I put, I put it out yesterday, but I'm gonna uh, put that tag on to uh, one of those panorama shots I did with the. I've got a. Yeah. Oh, a, the bird. The gull in flight with the panorama cam. Yeah, you've never seen such a great picture. Well, I'm, I'm, you have, I'm sure. Yeah. But this is not shot with a horizon camera capturing a seagull complete with distorted wings in the oh, middle I of the frame. It. I see it. That's you terrific. See? Yeah, right. that's terrific. Well, I'll, I'll I'll stick the hashtag on there. Um, <laughs> and, Excellent. Uh, thank you. Um, 
and uh, well, I also got an eBay store. Um, and the best way to find that is if you just go into the uh, the, the show notes, which are found uh, in our Facebook group, uh, the Large Format Photography Facebook group, and also uh, on Podbean, which is where our uh, podcast is hosted. So if you go onto Podbean and uh, um, just type in large format photography podcast you'll find us and you'll see all our show notes there and all the links that uh, we, we put in or, or should I say Andrew put in and does a great job on the on the show notes there um, so that, that's it I've mentioned the music already I'm going to mention it again our great music which is called Two Finger Johnny uh, by Kevin McLeod of Incompetech.com um, and that's it so I hope you've enjoyed this week's show and <laughs> this fortnight show is uh, perhaps is a better way of putting it and it'll be great if you can join us again next time so goodbye bye bye bye